Please take your seats. We're about to begin. Good evening. We're going to start with the land acknowledgement. The City of West Hollywood City Council acknowledges that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the City of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrieleno Tongva and Gabrieleno Keech peoples. I will now call this meeting to order. It is 6.01 p.m. Commissioner Barbara Meltzer, will you please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance this evening? Please place your hands over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam City Clerk, may we have a roll call, please? Thank you, Mayor. Council Member Byers. Present. Councilmember Heilman. Here. Councilmember Meister. Here. Mayor Pro Tempore Erickson. Here. Mayor Shine. Present. We have a quorum. Madam City Clerk, are there any changes from staff to the agenda? I turned it on. Um, thank you. This evening we have one change to item to be the minutes. Um, the citizen position slips for Victor Omolchenko and Michael Haddad while read into the record during the meeting were not indicated in the minutes, so that will be included for in support of the appeal of item 3B. And then also on tonight's agenda, item 3B is the appeal that is being continued at the request of the appellant until May 1st. Thank you. Thank you. Do any of my colleagues have any requests for changes to the agenda? Councilmember Meister? Sure. Um, I have uh, 5B is in Boys City Council meeting schedule for June and August. I have item 6A, co-sponsorship of California National Organization for Women State Conference. I have item 6C, as in cat, mold inspection and remediation reports. And I have 6 D is in dog, established centenarian recognition program to honor city of West Hollywood residents. Okay, uh, thank you, Council. Right. Does anyone disagree with any of those? No. Council Member Byers? Mayor Pro Tem Erickson? Yeah. Um, I would like to move item 4C, or the ordinance to prohibit the use of glue traps within the city to consent. And then I'm going to try one more, if I may, Madam Mayor, and that's item uh, 4A to consent, and that's the ordinance for uh, dog breed restrictions. Okay, I'm fine with that. Anyone else? Um, that, that one has some other items within that yeah. that I have uh, comments and... Leave it up. Yeah. Okay. Council Member Heilman. Yep. Okay. Mayor, I'm sorry, 
On uh, item 5A, the appointments, I think I'm not going to be ready on all of them. So we might have to hold off some of the at-large ones. Yeah. And I think on some of the advisory commissions, we actually don't have enough appointee or enough applicants. So I would suggest that when we get to that, maybe we'll have to postpone that, uh, some of those as well. Yes, I've gotten another request to postpone that largest too. So that's fine. Okay. Thank you, Council Member Heilman. All right, so we have um, item 4C, uh, ordinance approved with the use and sale of glue traps within the city. Moving to consent. Item 5B, uh, city council meeting scheduled for June and August 2023. 6A, co-sponsorship of the California National Organization for Women's State Conference. 6C, mold inspe inspection and remediation reports. 6D, establish centenarian recognition program to honor city of West Hollywood residents being moved to consent. Thank you. Wonderful. We have a motion and a second. All right. We have our agenda. Mayor, yes. can I just clarify, because we have a lot of new people in the audience. So the items that were moved to the consent calendar, if you were signed up to speak on any of those items, we will move you to the first public comment period. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna move to adjournment motions. Do my colleagues have any adjournment requests for this evening? Let's start with Council Member Meister. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'd like to adjourn in memory of Michelle Mindlin, longtime resident of West Hollywood. Michelle Mindlin passed away April 9th, 2023, after a brave and over 10-year battle with ovarian cancer. Michelle was the wife of Denise McCandless, a former camera operator on the City of West Hollywood's award-winning Get Used to It program. Our sincere condolences go out to Denise and her family during this very difficult time. Michelle was like family to many in, this, in the West Hollywood community, and she always remained positive and will be truly missed. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Heilman, do you have any adjournments this evening? Mayor Pro Tem Erickson? Yes, thank you so much, Madam Mayor. I have two. The first one is for Anna L. Ramirez, age 92, who died on April 5th, 2023, at the Hospice Home in Hope uh, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, with her loving family by her side. Anna was born on March 5th, 1931, daughter of Hazel and David Jones of Dalton, Wisconsin. She enjoyed the simplicities of life, chasing lambs and pestering her older brother, Willard, and is commonly referred to as Bima. And she spread multiple uh, funny instances with her family, as well as joy and love that was very contagious. Um, Anna was blessed with seven children and expressed her unconditional love through music, whistling, singing, physical affection, and spending quality time during her Sunday drives. In the words of her, Bima, always remembered even the darkest of days, she is known for saying, everything will be fine and dandy. Um, and she was also the grandmother to my best friend home in Wisconsin. So if we could adjourn in her memory as well, um, if we could adjourn in memory of Sharon Ritchie, eldest sister of Commissioner Renee Sotil, who died on March 27th. Sharon was loved by everyone. Coming from a very large Sicilian family, being loved by everyone could almost qualify Sharon 
her sainthood. She had the most wonderful smile and loudest laugh. Her life had meaning. She held close what was most dear to her heart and happiness, her family, including her first great-granddaughter, Gianni. Sharon could fill a room. Her larger-than-life presence would be missed. She might not be officially a saint yet, but for one thing is for sure, she was and is still an angel and very loved by a very important member of our community. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. And it's my understanding that uh, Council Member Byers does not have a adjournment motions this evening. Thank you. Uh, we're now moved to presentations. Tonight we have the following presentations. Mayor Pro Tem Erickson will start uh, with your presentation for the National Library Appreciation Month. Thank you so much, Madam Mayor. Um, so I'm going to go uh, backwards because it's going to be weird for me to introduce our amazing special guests that are going to accept our award, uh, the proclamation. Um, but I'm going to introduce both of them and then read the presentation because library, um, April is Library Appreciation Month. And uh, can we get a round of applause for libraries? We all love libraries. Thank you. We especially love our West Hollywood Library, as well as all LA County Libraries. Sky, we're a little partial here, um, but you can see why. So um, I'm proud to introduce Sky Patrick. So Sky Patrick is the Library Director for LA County Libraries, um, and one of the largest and most diverse public library systems in the nation. When Sky arrived at the library in 2016, she brought her mission to break down barriers and increase access for all. She introduced the widely applauded I Count Equity Initiative to ensure that LA County Library Libraries intentionally design services and programs that address the needs of diverse communities where they serve. That's 85 community libraries, including our own here, right here in West Hollywood, that reach across more than 3,000 square miles from Catalina Island, another good library, to the valleys, to the high deserts. Sky and her library team focus on meeting community needs, positioning the library as a center of learning, exploration, and community, and enriching the lives of millions of children, teens, and adults throughout Los Angeles County. Next, but not least, of course, is our very own Matt Gill. So West Hollywood Library Manager Matt Gill has been with the LA County Library for nearly two decades, and he's been our library manager since 2016. Under Matt's leadership, the library continued to offer three long-running book clubs through the pandemic, pivoting to online and hybrid platforms to support the events. Matt is also proud that the West Hollywood Library is one of the first libraries in the country to host Drag Queen Story Hour in 2017. Thanks in due part to the work and the help of the City of West Hollywood. We also have the Friends of the Library volunteers and Andrea Carroll, Executive Director of the LA County Library Foundation, along with the board members from the foundation in attendance to support this proclamation. That I'm now going to get to. So whereas since the City of West Hollywood's incorporation, the West Hollywood Library has been part of the LA County Library system. And whereas the LA County Library is one of the major libraries in the nation and it extends services to over 3,000 square miles and provides library service to 3.4 million residents living in unincorporated areas and to residents of 49 of the 88 incorporated cities throughout the county. And whereas the LA County Library System strives to evolve and expand services to reflect each community and promote lifelong learning, and whereas the West Hollywood Library includes collections, materials, and programs as diverse as our very own community, 
including a variety of books and content in multiple language, an LGBTQ collection, and the Ron Shipton HIV Information Center. And whereas, in recognition of April as Library Appreciation Month in the city of West Hollywood, as well as in recognition of National Library Week on April 23rd through the 29th, coming up right very, very quickly, the city of West Hollywood honors and celebrates the valuable role libraries, librarians, and library staff play in transforming lives and strengthening communities. Now, therefore, let it be resolved that the City Council of the City of West Hollywood hereby recognizes April as Library Appreciation Month and celebrates National Library Week on April, 29th, April 23rd through the 29th. The city also extends its gratitude to the leadership and staff of LA County Library and the West Hollywood Library for all they do and support. So Sky, Matt, and the Library Board, please come up and we're going to take a nice photo. Thank you so much for this acknowledgement. I'd like to say thank you to the city of West Hollywood, to Mayor Shine, Mayor Pro Tem, Erickson, and the city manager, David Wilson, along with the other council members, and of course to the city of West Hollywood. So as uh, Mayor Pro Tem mentioned, the West Hollywood Library is one of 85 locations. It is an incredible place of free resources, services, programs, and countless of items for individuals and families who really utilize the library as a lifeline. The library is committed to breaking down barriers, and our library system also champions the, fundam the fundamental right of intellectual freedom. Amidst this concerning rise in book challenges, book bans, the threatened uh, librarians having their lives threatened, librarians having their jobs threatened, just by simply offering resources that community members need. <clears throat> we also work to provide endless uh, opportunities for people to learn from each other and about each other and to learn about themselves and then have the ability to pursue their dreams. The West Hollywood Library, <clears throat> with the support of your city, 
has been an amazing proponent to these values. We're always responsive. We're always cutting edge. We are always here with a, a robust selection of items to help your constituencies, uh, excuse me, <laughs> your constituency, including services and programs like the Laptop Lending Program, like our Drag Queen Storytime, and our pop-up MPOX and COVID-19 vaccination clinics. This proclamation is a testament this proclamation is a testament to the excellent <clears throat> and hard work that our staff do every single day. So I'd like to take an opportunity to thank Matt here. Thank you so much. And I, I'd also like to take an opportunity to thank the rest of the staff, because he doesn't do it alone, I don't do it alone. Everything that we do is based on what the staff has to offer. We'd like to thank the supervisor, uh, Lindsay Horvath, and of course, our library foundation, and last but not least, the Friends of West Hollywood Library. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Now, uh, Councilmember Byers has a uh, presentation for Buy Nothing Groups. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor. Um, before I begin, how many people out there already know about Buy Nothing Groups? Put your hands up. That's a pretty good number. I'm really happy to see that. I'm hoping we have more hands up after tonight. The way I begin to describe this is if you're someone who has things just laying around your house, say a desk, that you're trying to get rid of. Um, buy nothing's a great stop for you. You'll stay because you'll find things of interest and then the community will quickly become a part of your life as it did mine. Um, it's a group that's good for the planet, good for your pocketbook, and good for your sense of community and I'm really glad to be uplifting this resource tonight. So, get on with it. Whereas the Buy Nothing project began in 2013 when two friends, Rebecca Rockefeller and Liesl Clark, created an experimental hyperlocal gift economy in Bainbridge Island, Washington. And whereas in the past decade, the Buy Nothing project has grown into a worldwide network of gift economies, bringing people together to give, ask, and receive items and services. And whereas the Buy Nothing project has over six and a half million members with over 7,500 individual Buy Nothing communities across 44 countries. And whereas the city of West Hollywood has three Buy Nothing groups on the Facebook platform, Beverly Grove West, West Hollywood West, West Hollywood North, uh, Hollywood Hills West, and the WeHo City Center. On a local level, each of these Buy Nothing groups has contributed to local waste prevention and waste reduction efforts. And whereas the city of West Hollywood extends its gratitude to the Buy Nothing project and the valuable work that each administrator, who is completely voluntary in those roles, I might add, does for these West Hollywood Buy Nothing groups to support and uplift their neighbors, the West Hollywood community, and the environment. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the city council of the city of West Hollywood hereby recognizes the Buy Nothing project and each of the West Hollywood's Buy Nothing groups for all they do in support of the community and the environment. At this time, I would like to invite West Hollywood's Buy Nothing Group administrators, Melissa Algaze, Joey Heller, Ann Alexander, and Mel uh, Michelle Robinson up to the dais to accept the proclamation and take a photo with council. Thank you.
to go? Okay. Honorable Mayor Shine, members of the West Hollywood City Council, distinguished guests, and fellow global citizens. On behalf of the West Hollywood Area Buy Nothing Group Administrators, Ann Alexander, Susie Harris, Joey Heller, Michelle Robinson, and me, Melissa Algaze, we wish to express our sincere thanks for this proclamation. We're honored to receive this recognition and are grateful for the time and effort that you have put into considering our work and contributions to the community. Special recognition to Council Member Chelsea Lee Byers, who recommended the local Buy Nothing Project groups for this proclamation. The Buy Nothing Project is a global grassroots movement that encourages people to give and receive freely within their local communities. The project was founded in 2013 by two friends in Washington State. The idea behind the project is to promote sustainability, build community at the hyper-local level, and reduce waste by encouraging people to share their skills, resources, and time with their neighbors. Since its, since its inception, the Buy Nothing Project has grown to include seven million community members around the world. It has inspired people to embrace the sharing economy, reduce their carbon footprint, and build strong relationships with their neighbors. The Buy Nothing Project is a powerful example of the positive impact that can be achieved when people come together to build stronger, more sustainable, and more resilient communities. This proclamation serves as a testament to the hard work and dedication that our local group leaders have invested in our community, and it inspires us to continue to strive to make positive impacts. Once again, our sincere thanks to the City Council of West Hollywood for this recognition. We look forward to working alongside you to continue to make our community more sustainable. Thank you very much. Uh, we are going to go ahead and move to public comment now. The City Council values your comments. However, pursuant to the Brown Act, Council cannot take action on items not listed on the posted agenda. The public comment period is limited to 20 minutes with two minutes allotted for each speaker. This public comment period is to address the City Council on consent calendar items or items of general interest within the subject matter jurisdiction of the City Council. Another period is also reserved for general comment later in the meeting for those that could not be heard at this time. Public hearing testimony will be taken at the time of the public hearing. If you signed up to speak on both consent calendar items and general public comment as well, as an item that was moved to the consent calendar. You may take this public comment period to speak on the consent calendar items. You may also sign up to speak during the second public comment period for your general public comment. Madam City Clerk, will you please call our first speaker? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Our first speaker this evening is Karina Samala, to be followed by Tammy Bryant. Good afternoon, Mayor, Council Members. I am here to support item number 2-0 and urge the City Council to adopt a resolution declaring the City of, Los of West Hollywood, I'm sorry, West Hollywood, a sanctuary city for transgender people. It is necessary to have six sanctuary cities recognizing this. The whole country should recognize all other from our community. And welcoming the transgender community as it is so in many other communities. However, 
The reality is that the transgender community remains under attack. Tennessee has passed a bill restricting drag shows and drag queens and many other states are considering similar bills. In face of such targeted attacks by hateful minority, we use cities like West Hollywood to acknowledge the importance of the transgender community and the importance of proudly standing up for the transgender community. To do less, to be silent, is to leave the transgender community at high risk. Please make it a safe city for our community. As a proud member of the transgender community, I urge the council to take broad steps, a necessary step, a vital step for the safety for transgender community and adopt the proposed resolution declaring the city of West Hollywood a sanctuary city for all transgender people. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you, Karina. Our next speaker is Tammy Bryant, to be followed by Courtney Penley. Hi, my name is Tammy Bryant. I'm a member of the UCLA Law Faculty, where I teach a variety of courses, among them animal law. One of the central problems in animal law is how animals are defined under the law. For example, the Federal Animal Welfare Act does not cover 95% of the animals in research labs, even though the Animal Welfare Act is uh, regulating those industries. So it's very important that your law regarding glue trap bans also be very clear about the definition of an animal. As it stands now, in the definitions, you define a glue trap, but uh, the use of the word animal in definition A uh, is not further defined. Um, and so I have proposed and submitted for your review through the city clerk some friendly amendment language. In that language, I propose that you use the definition animal as used in A shall mean any vertebrate or invertebrate animal, such as birds, rodents, reptiles, and insects. You may think it odd to include insects, but insects are animals. I've also submitted through the uh, city clerk images of birds caught on fly strips. A glue board that's on the ground can be hung up and used as a fly strip. A fly strip that's hanging can be used as a glue board. Unless invertebrates and vertebrates are included, the law really won't have the impact that's intended, and it will confuse people. Imagine the person who hangs up a, fl a fly strip. It, it, it attracts a bird. The bird is caught, as in the images I've shared with you. And then that person will have violated this law by hanging up a fly strip because an animal has been caught in it. So it's very important that you clarify the language. I hope that you will. If you do, honestly, this is the most path-breaking law I can imagine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tammy. Our next speaker is Courtney Penley, to be followed by Jacob Shaw. Hello, my name is Courtney Penley. I've been a proud resident of West Hollywood for the past eight years. I'm here to voice my support for the ordinance to ban the sale of glue traps uh, in West Hollywood. As the staff report highlights, animals that get stuck on glue traps are incapable of freeing themselves, and other parts of their bodies get stuck to the trap. Animals often lie there languishing for weeks at a time and until they die of starvation, dehydration, or suffocation. 
This process is extremely cruel, painful, and inhumane. I urge the council to ban glue traps and to consider alternative methods such as live traps, which allow people to relocate animals to a safe location. I'm so proud to live in such a forward-thinking city that has been so supportive of animal welfare in the past, and I hope that you'll take this compassionate step to prohibit the use of sale of glue traps moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. Our next speaker is Jacob Shaw, to be followed by Jennifer Conrad. Thank you, council members, for the opportunity to speak before you tonight. On behalf of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals and our thousands of members and supporters in West Hollywood, I'm here to express our gratitude and support for your consideration of a ban on the use and sale of glue traps. Glue traps pose a threat to every small animal in West Hollywood. Mice, rats, squirrels, birds, kittens, and puppies have all had their fur, feathers, and feet caught in one of these horrible devices and have been killed or left permanently disabled as a result. And it's not just animals who are threatened by these traps. The CDC explicitly warns the public not to use glue traps as animals caught in the glue continue to produce urine and feces, spreading pathogens and exposing people to dangerous diseases like hantavirus. No matter their species, trapped animals struggle in anguish and despair, often for days. They cry out in fear and agony, as they slowly die from dehydration, starvation, or asphyxiation. Terrified and fighting for their lives, many animals will even chew off their own limbs in a desperate effort to escape. Many people who buy glue traps don't know what they're getting into until it's too late. Here's one review from a customer who purchased one. I really want to give this product zero stars. I got this product because it was the only trap that said capture and didn't say kill, assuming I'd be able to release the little critter into the woods across the street. But little do they tell you, it captures the mice, and then they are stuck there, alive, and you are unable to remove them. The little guy was shaking the whole time I was trying to get him off the trap. This is nothing more than a torture trap. The only option I had was to put him down myself. This product should not be allowed to be sold. If the conclusion is going to be death for the critter, it should be quick and painless, not like this. So these are my words again. By making the decision to ban glue traps, the city will spare the lives of countless small animals and save them from unimaginable suffering. Thank you for your compassionate leadership and for sticking up for the most vulnerable among us. These animals would thank you if they could. Thank you, Jacob. Our next speaker is Jennifer Conrad, to be followed by Dr. Jim Jenswold. Thank you, uh, City Council uh, and uh, Madam Mayor, for listening to this important uh, testimony. What, what I wanted to tell you as a veterinarian is that all animals have the capacity to suffer. And so in the glue trap ban, it's very important that we include invertebrates, meaning spiders and insects. Because first of all, they're the, what's attracting the other animals to the glue trap. They're the ones that are... Um, in the tr they're stuck in the trap and therefore the other animals, meaning the, the rats or the birds, will come to get them. So it's very important that that language get uh, added, that it includes invertebrates. And um, also I wanted to thank you on behalf of the PAW Project for the fact that 20 years ago in April, uh, West Hollywood banned the declawing of cats. And that has been a precedent that has... Um, reverberated throughout the country and um, 
you started it here. So thank you for that. Thank you, Jennifer. Our next speaker is Dr. Jim Jenswold to be followed by Karen Ayers. Thank you very much. My name is Jim Jenswold. I'm the president of Democrats for the Protection of Animals, and that's a charter club within the LA County Democratic Party that I helped found with uh, one of your former colleagues, Jeff Prang. And uh, uh, I'm also part of the PAW Project, and Jennifer Conrad is the founder of that. And so I'd like to thank everybody that was uh, uh, critical in passing that ban 20 years ago this month, which included John Heilman and uh, Steve Martin, I saw back there, and particularly Hernan Molina, who was the one who brought it up to the council in the first place. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for taking this uh, uh, glue trap uh, ban idea seriously and working on it so diligently. Uh, the, the, just as, to back up a bit, the, the declaw ban 20 years ago, that ordinance was written by uh, Professor Tammy Bryant, and so I hope you will listen to some of her concerns. We want this, uh, West, uh, West Hollywood is a leader, and their ordinances are models that are followed by people all over the country, so we are particularly uh, concerned about these ordinances that are groundbreaking ones being the best possible template and model for other jurisdictions across the country. And I thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Karen Ayers, to be followed by Matthew Braun. Good evening, City Council. I just um, want to thank uh, Councilmember Meister for proposing to move item 6A to the consent calendar and for the entire council for indicating your support of the upcoming conference, state conference for the um, National Organization for Women's State Chapter. I'm really proud that the city of West Hollywood will be hosting this conference right here in the city. This is a feminist city. This is the nation's first pro-choice city. And there is so much to be done right now, um, right here in California. And I'm going to enjoy uh, hosting this conference and seeing people from all over the state come to um, learn about the issues and engage and I'm really um, looking forward to having our community members take part. I, I want to thank the city staff um, from the Community Services Department for putting together an excellent uh, staff report on this item. I look forward to working with the staff on making sure everything runs smoothly and we can engage the community and make sure that they have access to this conference and are able to benefit from it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Our next speaker is Matthew Braun, to be followed by Christine Renault. Right. Uh, thank you all for making history by making West Hollywood the first city to ban glue traps. Um, as a resident of West Hollywood, I wanted to express my full support uh, because Mice and rats are the most frequent victims of glue traps, but certainly not the only ones. Um, and they are intelligent, sensitive, and affectionate animals. They're individuals with their own personalities, and they feel joy, and excitement, and pain, and fear. 
just like the dogs and cats who most of us share our homes with. Uh, male mice actually woo their mates by singing a high-pitched love song, mm -hmm. and rats have been known to exhibit altruism, letting themselves feel pain to prevent someone else from suffering. Uh, our city has long been known as a beacon of empathy, of kindness, and progressive ideals. So I'm proud that we'll continue to stand by these values and come to the defense of mice and rats and other small animals who are quite literally tortured to death on glue traps. Uh, I was going to read another review from a person who bought and used a glue trap and regretted it. They said, the most horrific, slow torture you can put on an animal slowly rips off their skin and they cry in pain. They're often stuck like this for 48 hours before dying. Their skin is slowly torn off as they try to escape. Use any other type of trap other than these evil glue traps. No animal deserves to die like this. And no kind-hearted human being would ever wish to inflict a death like this on anyone else. So thank you for helping to put an end to this cruelty by banning glue traps. Thank you, Matthew. Christine Renault to be followed by Brittany Drake. Good, ev good evening, everybody. Um, I am very excited to be here. Uh, my best to the West Hollywood mayor and the whole council, and thank you so much for having us. Um, I am Christine Renault, and I'm a resident in Calabasas for almost 40 years. I am here tonight to support your consideration for the ordinance to ban the sale and use of glue traps in the city of Hollywood. I am also founder in Calabasas of Poison Free Calabasas. And we, what I do is I bring awareness to uh, my city. I work with the city of Calabasas, local businesses, animal conservationist groups, and my neighboring poison-free groups as well. We all work together on bringing safer alternatives to poisons used for rodent control and also for inhumane rodent control, pest control, such as using these uh, terrible glue traps. Living um, in Southern California, I have learned not only that I enjoy our beautiful geographic area, but also I've learned to understand that we have a very diverse wildlife population. And because each animal has a very vital role in our ecosystem, it is very important for us to do our best to take care of it and protect it. Seeing how much of our wildlife is destroyed from our lack of knowledge, from using toxic poisons and inhumane pest rodent control, it is not only very heartbreaking, but also very cruel. These animals, they do not have a voice. And this is where my passion has come in. I want to give them a voice. I want to protect, because these animals, they do so much good for us. We all need to do some part. Anyway, thank you so much. I would like you to also consider, please, using animals with the vertebrates because there's such a big number of animals. Thank you very much. Thank you. For our next speaker, can you please make sure you're speaking into the microphone so that the uh, people at home can hear you? 
So after Brittany Drake, Mary Kate is our next speaker. Go ahead. Hi, thank you so much for letting me speak today. I'm Brittany, I'm a proud resident of West Hollywood for the past four years. And I really am excited that you guys are considering this glue trap ban. I can't recommend it enough. I, as a small kid, I had companion rats when I was a kid. Um, yeah, my friend had them first and I was like, they're so cool, I need to adopt some. And they love to play, they love to cuddle with you. Anyone who's been around, like a rat or mice, it's undeniable that they feel pain, that they feel love, and they just do not deserve the torture and pain that they go through in these glue traps. I've heard screams, like when I was a student in college and they used glue traps in my building, and then they would just get thrown away in the trash and you, you could still hear them screaming even though they were just thrown away in the trash. And that's what the manufacturers recommend. They tell you to just throw it away even if the animal's alive still in the glue trap. Um, like it was said uh, previously, they, these animals are stuck there for potentially days. They, rip, they try to rip their arms out. They can sometimes tear their skin off. They try to gnaw their own limbs off just to get out of these glue traps because they're just sitting there. Um, the CDC warns the public not to use glue traps because they, inc they increase humans' exposure to diseases. Animals stuck in the glue continue to produce urine and feces through which pathogens including hentavirus, salmonella, and the bacteria that cause leptospirosis are also transmitted. Anyways, thanks for hearing me out. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. Um, just a reminder, please turn off your um, cell phones when in chambers. Thank you. Uh, our next speaker is Mary Kate to be followed by Alan William. Hi, um, my name is uh, Mary Kate Leitman. Um, I'm a resident of 917 Larrabee and also the co-president of our Tenants Association. I want to thank the city for adding the mold item to the agenda. Um, not only myself, but a number of our residents, and I speak on behalf of them this evening, are dealing with unacceptable mold conditions. Um, in my case, I've had to hire a mold testing company, an attorney, and I've had to pursue this matter civilly. Most people don't have the means to do that, and we need the city to step in and give code enforcement the resources and perhaps partner with a testing company so that they have the correct independent documentation necessary to require that habitable housing be maintained. Nobody should have to live with mold and the health effects that it has brought to me, to my animal, and a number of my neighbors. This has to stop, and the only way that it will is if we have very strict and clear language to force landlords to do the right thing, to test and remediate professionally. No handymen, no cans of bleach, remediation. Um, so thank you, and I sincerely hope that this gets passed um, because a lot of people are going to be dealing with this after these rains. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary-Kate. Our next speaker is Alan William, to be followed by Allison Taylor. Good evening. First of all, I object to the matter being transferred to consent because obviously there are 30 people who had something to say about the matter and you cannot transfer it to consent when you have 30 people waiting to comment on this particular matter, regardless of the split. You've done this before. Stop transferring matters to consent unless you have an opportunity to know that there are people who are gonna speak on it. If no one's gonna speak on it, I don't care. 
but if people are going to speak on this one way or another, you can't transfer it to consent. It violates the Brown Act. One. Okay, two, with regard to the glue traps, I totally support the use of glue traps. Um, I had a infestation of rats, and I'm telling you, we hired every conceivable company to kill them using, we had things that dropped from the ceiling. We had lights. These rats are really smart. They're called smart rats, and they're able to defeat anything except for one thing, and that's glue traps. And in fact, they even beat most glue traps, but they're new glue traps, which are really sticky, and they can't get out of them, sold at Home Depot. So as far as that is concerned, they're not only, the lady mentioned all the diseases, they're in my house. I don't want these diseases in my house. I don't give a damn what they do outside. You want to ban the use of glue traps outside? Then ban them outside, but you can't ban them inside my house when I want to use them to, for health and safety reasons to stop these disgusting, vile animals running around the house. I'm not talking about pets. I'm not talking about possums. I'm talking about these rats. L.A. is the second worst infestation of rats in the world. Chicago's first, and I guarantee you West Hollywood is nearby. So if you pass this particular matter, you're going to get more rats, you're going to get more infestations, you're going to have more disease, and you're going to have more problems. Don't do it. It's one of the dumbest things I ever heard. Our next speaker is Allison Taylor. Hello. Um, as a resident of 90069, um, I'd like to say by banning glue traps, the West Hollywood City Council will spare countless small animals from horrible suffering, usually drawn over, out over the course of days, before finally dying from dehydration, starvation, or asphyxiation. This compassionate ordinance will allow West Hollywood to join Germany, Iceland, New Zealand, Norway, and other cities and countries that have already banned for, uh, glue traps in favor of far less cruel or non-lethal methods to deter unwelcome wildlife. Glue traps are a cruel and sadistic method of trying to control unwanted house guests as they cause immense pain and prolonged suffering for mice, rats, and other small animals. Often as animals panic and struggle to escape from the traps, the glue tears off their fur, feathers, or skin. Some break bones or even chew off their own limbs in a desperate attempt to save their own lives. Left alone, the terrified injured animals die, sometimes days later, of blood loss, shock, suffocation, or thirst. Thank you for considering this. Thank you. We'll now move to the three individuals we have in Zoom who are going to speak on consent calendar items. Everyone else who signed up to speak under general public comment will be moved to the second public comment period. Our first speaker on Zoom for this item is Ron McGill. Ron, you will have two minutes. Please press star six to unmute yourself. Hello. Hi there. Thanks for taking the time to hear my comments. Um, I wanted to speak on two things as 2.0. Um, I'm definitely all in favor of West Hollywood being a sanctuary city uh, for transgender people. I love that concept. Uh, West Hollywood is often a leader in many things, and that could set a precedent 
much like the next agenda item that I want to speak on, which is the blue traps. I'm 100% in favor of banning them. They're medieval devices, very cruel, and the vast majority of people who have already commented have uh, shared all the details of that policy. Um, I would just like to add that uh, setting that precedent um, in West Hollywood could have far-reaching repercussions um, and uh, add to the ban more, uh, you know, maybe hopefully even nationwide. Um, so I really thank you for taking the time and have a great evening. Thank you, Ron. Our next speaker on Zoom is Stephanie Acker. Stephanie, you will have two minutes. Please press star six to unmute yourself. Hi, this is Stephanie. Thank you for taking the time to let me speak this evening. I'm speaking on behalf of the Mulder Mediation. Um, just wanted to reiterate, um, I believe Bradley Bushell, actually one of my um, neighbors is there in person, but we've been dealing with a mold issue for the last year um, and have had to basically pay our own way, which I'll talk a bit more about, um, to have this uh, issue resolved. And it's still actively going on, but we haven't been able to continue to pursue that. It's now making residents sick and affecting, you know, pretty much everyone in our building. So I would urge you to please pass it. Thank you, Stephanie. Our next speaker is Thea Novak. Thea, you will have two minutes. Please press star six to unmute yourself. Okay, it looks like Thea has dropped off. Our next speaker is Jamie Francis. Jamie, you'll have two minutes. Please press star six to unmute yourself. Thank you, Council. I just wanted to call to just uh, reiterate and support the efforts of mitigation. Um, glue traps I don't support because other animals um, might get caught in the glue traps. I know there is a big issue with infestation when it comes to rats and mice, so I just wanted to uh, see if there's a way to find alternative measures, uh, but I, I, I really do agree with a lot of the other speakers of regulating that and, and possibly banning them all together because it could be dangerous, and especially those that are animals that um, might get caught indirectly uh, trying to run after prey, uh, as well as domestic animals. Um, in regards to mold remediation, I just wanted to say that I live in a property that had mold in an older unit uh, with, that was attached to my apartment uh, and I tried to address that with the landlord and to no avail. So it is problematic with a lot of these older buildings um, that are, were built in the 40s, 50s, and 60s um, and I had to emphasize that and say that to the owner and I actually ultimately moved because of fears of you know notification of older buildings causing cancer and uh, with that along with uh, people getting into my property, um, I felt very insecure. Um, so that was a major issue of why I moved, because I have asthma and I have health issues um, stemming from exposure to radon gas when I was younger, along with mold um, and mildew uh, and other uh, contaminants. So I just wanted to urge the council to be aware of that and possibly um, update a policy and ordinance to protect residents and older properties. So thank you so much for your time. Mayor, that was our last speaker on Zoom for the consent calendar. Thank you. Um, at this time, we're going to go ahead and hear the city manager's report. 
Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, and Council members. Um, I want to thank all the uh, members of the public that spoke uh, in support of item 4C, and um, our city attorney will have some uh, additional comments. Um, I only have a few announcements uh, to make this evening. Um, the Kings Road Garage um, is currently, our parking garage is currently undergoing maintenance uh, beginning today through the end of May. During the project, parking spaces will be roped off for safety and some areas will be restricted to a single lane of traffic. The project will take about approximately six weeks to complete. If you have any questions, you can contact our, our parking uh, division for additional information. Uh, additionally, the city has completed the purchase of the Holloway Motel property located at 8465 Santa Monica, which will operate as the Holloway Interim Housing Program. This is funded in part by a $6 million home key grant from the state. The city plans to update the property and open for services within a year. For more information, please visit weho.org forward slash Holloway. This is an important project for our city and there's additional information uh, if you're interested in this project. Next, the City Council Finance and Budget Subcommittee will be meeting this Thursday, April 20th at 6.30 p.m. in the City um, Hall Community Conference Room. The uh, public is invited to attend and provide feedback and input on topics related to the budget and the next fiscal year. For more information, please visit www.weho.org forward slash budget or email budget at weho.org. Uh, next, there uh, will be a ton of subcommittee meetings and events this week. For a complete listing of meetings and events, please visit www.weho.org forward slash calendar. And I also want to bring to your attention that um, at the Dillon uh, building at 8711 Santa Monica, there was an incident on um, April 7th, and we have Captain Mulder from the LA County Sheriff's um, Department, Sheriff's Station here, to provide an update this evening. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor, Mo Pro Tem, Council members, city staff, and members of our community. Uh, yes, um, just to recap on um, um, uh, that date, uh, deputies responded to the Dillon because there was a shots fired, gunshots fired call. Deputies, when they responded there, they encountered a, uh, a female victim uh, along with um, LA County Fire. She was transported to the hospital in stable condition and has since been released from the hospital. Uh, deputies additionally located five bullet holes from the adjacent uh, apartment that uh, appeared, obviously went into the victim's residence as well. Uh, um, Special Enforcement Bureau, our Sheriff's SWAT team was called out. Uh, they arrived on the scene. We brought out our crisis negotiation team as well as the MET team uh, to try to establish communication with the uh, suspect, but that was, uh, we weren't able to establish communication with the suspect. Uh, approximately seven apartment units were evacuated. The American Red Cross was also brought out and set up at Plummer Park. And thank you, Danny Revis and city staff and uh, council for accommodating that just in case we had people displaced. They had somewhere to go and resources to uh, avail to them. Um, members of SCB did enter the location and uh, determined the individual had left prior, uh, was not in the location. So deputies from West Hollywood Station then did a search of the entire building and uh, did not find the individual. Um, 
and then our detectives from West Hollywood, as, long, as well as detectives from our headquarters, investigative units, are continuing the investigation uh, currently. Thank you, Captain. Are there any questions from Council? Uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Mulder, um, and thank you for responding to this incident. Um, I have a couple of basic questions that I've been hearing from the community. At what point, when you were talking to a door, did you realize he wasn't there? Like, the standoff took eight hours, correct? Uh, yeah, approximately, correct. So at what point in that eight-hour time span were you or did your teams realize that no one was in that door and it became an issue? So, uh, yeah, certainly I understand your question, council member. It takes a long time, but uh, there are many steps that we go through. We don't just arrive there, kick in the door, and run in and try to grab somebody because that's quite unsafe for us, for the community, and everything. So there's quite a process we engage in when um, uh, we have a possible barricaded suspect. We want to, A, make sure that uh, we can determine what, if if that individual is still in there or other people are still in there because we don't know if they have hostages. Uh, then we need to try to get our folks on our crisis negotiation team to make some sort of contact to see if we can talk to the person, get them to come out peacefully so we don't have to engage otherwise. If that doesn't happen, then we have different uh, techniques and methods we have to uh, um, go into the apartment to look around. And then if there's areas that we cannot cover with those particular methods, uh, then we need to have an entry team go in and and to make sure we secure uh, the building. So uh, um, uh, unfortunately, it does take a long time, but it takes a long time because we're trying to be as safe as possible, not only for our folks, our deputies there uh, engaging in this situation, but the entire community. So it doesn't turn into a bigger problem than, than it already was. How did you realize this individual suspect was the person? Was it neighbors and residents that told you the so, guy was the person? So technically, we don't have a suspect. We have a person of interest right now, the, the person who was living in the apartment who's no longer there. So uh, part of our investigation is developing information uh, to link that individual to, to this uh, crime. Because we didn't have any witnesses that saw anyone shoot. We just knew we had bullets coming from that apartment into another apartment. So that's part of the investigation. So to your knowledge, and I understand the investigation is still going on, this individual wasn't shooting at this woman. He shot through presumably two walls and it hit this individual twice. So, yeah, I'm not sure, uh, I can't really comment or I'm sure what he was shooting at or why or what, but um, um, I would guess that he probably was not shooting at this particular victim. In how would the person know that that person was standing in yeah. that area between two walls? But, uh, and again, that's uh, continuing the investigation. Were there other firearms found in his apartment? Uh, no. No? Great, what type of firearm was it that shot the individual? Uh, we believe it's a handgun. A handgun. A high-powered handgun to go through two walls? Not sure what kind. Okay. Um, what are your next steps? Obviously, this individual has a lease with the Dillon? Uh, I, some sort of agreement to live there. So, yes, that's good. So he's a, they're a resident. Yeah. But presumably, they are not coming back anytime soon. So at what point do you escalate your efforts to find an individual who presumably left under close scrutiny um, with a lot of sheriff personnel all over the place? 
Yes, so we have. Uh, so we've uh, sent out the information to the media. You may have seen a uh, person of interest flyer go out. The media put it out there. We have detectives not only from our station, but other uh, investigative bodies on the sheriff department looking for this individual. So we have multiple um, resources doing just what you've described. Great. Thank you. Of course. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, thank you for the response. Mm -hmm. uh, that day I came out with the Red Cross and we met at the, uh, the location. Uh, a lot of residents were very disappointed mm -hmm. that they were standing outside for hours and hours with no access to the building. And I understand that um, for safety reasons, obviously, that was the case. But after hearing that, um, it was, I think it was nine, what time did the incident happen? Uh, at uh, 8, a little after 8 in the morning, 8.13. Okay. Exactly. When was the call received? Uh, right around that time. Okay. And um, I know the response was very swift, so thank you. And uh, I think I was out there around 5 when you let me know that the, the, the person of interest was actually not in the unit. Right. And there were several residents that came up to me just disappointed, really, really disappointed that they were out there. I think that some of the businesses were closed all day. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, uh, and I can understand, you know, they, they felt that um, there was a failure on, on our part in that sense. So um, I would like to, uh, I would like to know how you uh, can work with the team uh, to uh, do better in this, in this circumstance, and also maybe we can have a meeting um, around the vicinity with the, uh, with the residents of the building so that they can understand. I don't know if they're here, you know, or listening to, um, to what you, what you uh, Mayor Pro Tem's questions and your answers, just so that they have a better understanding of what happened so they're not left feeling, you know, we feel unsafe, that's how they feel. And so I want to make sure that they feel protected. Um, so maybe a meeting with the property manager, with you and the residents, so that they can have all their questions answered. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd be happy to meet with anybody that wants to talk about it. I can explain the process that we take. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, it does take a lot of time. I feel for them. I, I would not want to be in that situation that they were. I, we get it. That's why we kind of set up uh, the Plummer Park uh, um, mm -hmm. area for them to go um, and provided other resources, too. We weren't sure how long this incident was going to take place. I wouldn't characterize it as a failure on my part. That's me. Um, it's just, unfortunately, these sometimes take a while. There was an incident of somebody and barricaded just in their house weeks prior uh, in a different city uh, that it, it took two, I think, 56 hours uh, it was a standoff. So this one didn't go that long. Uh, we tried to obviously get everybody back into uh, their homes and uh, business as usual as quickly as possible, but we're not going to sacrifice um, that for safety because the most important thing is the safety of our, our community and the deputies are responding to this incident. You know, unfortunately, when we go to incidents, we have little or no information uh, and we go to like critical situations where then we have to make a life and death uh, decision in seconds. So it's a very tough job. And in this case, you know, we want to make sure, basic, based on the fact we had somebody shooting through a door, that we did this as safely and smartly as possible. 
Sure, just to be clear, I'm not characterizing that. That was a resident. Right, right, I understand. Right. And yeah. so this other standoff in the other city, did they get the uh, person of interest or suspect? Yeah, no, that we have not found the person of interest yet. In the other city that you just mentioned? You oh, said oh, oh that a... other person, that's a separate uh, incident. Right. And uh, that person, um, I believe that person ended up committing suicide inside the residence. Okay, that's it. Yes, Councilmember Meister. Yep. Captain Mulder, um, I know that it's, it's the first responder's responsibility to evacuate a building if necessary. Is it also um, the sheriff's responsibility to find some place for people to go? Or is that the city's responsibility? I just want to know so for future we are all on the same page as to who's, you know, who should be taking care of that aspect of, of an evacuation, for example. Yeah, I think, um, I think it worked perfectly in this sense that there was a great partner, there always has been a great partnership between the Sheriff uh, Department and the City of West Hollywood. So working together, uh, our folks were aware, you know, we just actually had a, a division staff meeting probably about a week prior. We discussed the incident I told you about, the 56-hour standoff. And one of the uh, questions was, there wasn't an area set up that people could go who were evacuated. So that was something that we had discussed then. So when this issue came up, sorry, from our station, personnel from a station, uh, we're working with the city to do that. Danny Rivas um, offered a plumber park for us, so there was a really good partnership between there. And I, in terms of responsibility, I think it's it's a shared responsibility uh, between the uh, city and the sheriffs to uh, coordinate some place and resources for people to go during an incident like that, because we don't know how long it's going to be. It could be maybe two hours, or it could go longer. You know, we certainly try to make it as brief as possible, uh, but make it as safe as possible as well. Thank you, and I also want to commend the person who was answering the phone at the sheriff's station because I had happened to call around 8:20 uh, to let you know about a transient who had like a big bottle of rum that was laying on Doheny, okay. and uh, they said to me, "Look, we'll put the word out there, but um, just to let you know, there's a shooting that just happened, and so that's going to be the priority." So they set up the expectation that that wasn't really going to you know, that this call was not a priority compared to your call, uh, you know, to the, to the um, Dylan. And um, also when I said, well, maybe I should just call block by block to let them know about the transient with the big bottle of rum, uh, they, they, he, the person on the phone said that he would contact them when he contacts the sheriff. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. They, you know, set up the expectation and um, and also offered to to make the calls that needed to, <clears throat> that needed needed to be made. Yeah, th thank you, Council Member. I appreciate those kind words. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, we it's incumbent upon our folks to, if we have a busy evening or if a, a large incident like that is happening, to advise callers about their call. That hey, there might be a delay in a response to a call, or this is what we're working on. And you know, uh, you know, if somebody's calling to you know report a stolen hose, maybe they should call back a little bit later, or we can send a car later because we do have a, a larger incident uh, going on. So I'm glad that that happened. That's the way it should happen. So I'm glad to hear your feedback. Thank you. Thank you. I think for the future, um, I'm so glad the Red Cross came out. Um, 
they were great. And uh, when I went out there, they said that they're not sure if the residents even know, which is why I walked over and we chatted. Mm -hmm. So that was about two hours later. I think for future planning with Danny and you and the Red Cross, let's make sure we have a system in place that is, that is um, uh, quicker and swifter so that the property manager, the residents all know as soon as Red Cross or anything is set up of where to go. I think that would have given them the opportunity to go and have those. I think they had 15 pizzas that were just sitting there. So if we have a, a place, then we need to make sure communication goes out. And that's on the city and with you and the partnership and everybody. Yeah, and we'll work on like a better communication in terms of communicating to the public, whether it's uh, Nixle or social media or or whatever, to make sure people know and uh, to make sure that, uh, especially if it's an apartment building like that, management can get the, the word out to folks too. Excellent, and I understand it was a tough day and scary, and you you know everyone's doing their own thing, but let's for the future work on that. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to say that obviously safety is the most important thing eight hours of closure at La Brea and Santa Monica, and you flew in a helicopter that was bigger than anything I've ever seen in my entire life, right? And parked, I understand why, because of traffic, and you parked it right on La Brea, right? So it alarms a lot of residents, right? And so I'm, I was at work that day, and then I had to deal with, you know, a stupid judge from Texas that tried, is trying to outlaw abortion, right? And then I get calls all day and I'm directing them to Danny and Danny did amazing, great job Danny, taking all of our calls. But then at five o'clock when I get a call and someone says to me, the dude's not even there, the suspect is not even there, what has been going on for eight hours? And I have to say, you're gonna have to talk to Captain Mulder. Residents were very frustrated and they were very, upset in a way because they were wondering, was I walking next to a potential suspect that got out when we were being evacuated? They don't know if they're safe. They don't know if this was a neighbor, what that is like. I understand those are complex issues you as a sheriff's department cannot solve. If you could, it'd be a different thing. But that's kind of where the frustration was on our end. Um, and I'm glad everyone is safe. I'm glad everyone is taking all the precautions. But I did feel like myself, the mayor, I can only speak because I spoke to the mayor during this time. We were pushing you to put out a, I felt like I was pushing people to put out a, a person of interest flyer. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to do that. I felt like I was pushing people to put out information. I shouldn't have to do that. I think that's the role of your job and I think you ended up doing it. But this is where more communication from the Sheriff's Department, especially in a high visible situation, would have been helpful for all of us because then we could have directed them to the Sheriff's Department for all inquiries, questions, and further information. So that's just my frustration with it. I'm glad you guys did a great job. I'm thankful to you all, but I just need to tell you that because I, I believe in that transparency because I said that to members of the public as well. But I need you to know that that's what we hear and we're trying to say they're doing the best that they can, but then when NBC4 posts an article that says, dude got away after eight hours, it kind of makes us and you look not too good. 
yeah, no, I certainly understand the frustration. We're frustrated too. I'd rather have, we would rather have caught the individual, obviously. But, um, you know, we respond and we, we can just go on the information we have. And we then have to do things by the numbers, as it were. And fortunately that day, we were pretty lucky because our Special Enforcement Bureau was up at uh, 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 PDC, uh, Pitches Detention Center, the jail up in Castaic, about to do training. They had the helicopter, so when they heard it came out, they immediately came down. And that certainly saved a lot of, when you talk about saving time, that saved quite a bit of time in terms of trying to transit on LA freeways, as you can well imagine, around 8 a.m. So, so that was helpful, not meant to be dramatic, but certainly something helpful to get them here as soon as possible to uh, handle the situation as quickly and efficiently and safely as possible. So, and I, I uh, completely uh, understand that. In terms of the uh, uh, person to interest flyer or any kind of flyer we'll put out, we kind of have to make a determination about the situation or who's involved before we put something out. Um, even just because uh, that apartment belongs to a certain person doesn't necessarily mean that's the person that's engaging in this uh, behavior. So we have to be very careful before we start putting information out about people into the media that um, uh, we're, we feel fairly certain about what we're doing so, and that, it, that uh, we don't put something out errantly. Thank you. I, I, oh, I just had a, a yeah. question and a comment. Thank you. I think I have a different perspective than my colleagues, and I appreciate that you were not rushing to put out a flyer about somebody until you had enough information. I also appreciate the fact that you were not allowing residents to go back into the building as frustrated as they might be, and I completely understand that, until you were sure that it was safe for them to go back in. I also understand that when somebody um, who lived in a building, apparently, fires a gun and injures a neighbor, people are going to feel unsafe because of that. And I also understand that you don't know what's inside of that apartment when you arrive there. And you try to communicate, but there are plenty of individuals who are non-communicative. And so you don't know what's inside of that, and you shouldn't be rushing in just so people can get back into their units. As, as uh, I understand the frustration, but I think you handled this appropriately based on the information that you had. Uh, and I wouldn't want you to be uh, following direction from individual council members about putting out some kind of person of interest flyer, because that's not our job as the council, and we don't act as individuals, we act collectively at a notice meeting in public. So I appreciate the fact that you resisted <laughs> that kind of direction, because I don't think it's appropriate for us to be giving that direction to you. You're the professionals, and in terms of law enforcement, and we should trust you. If we don't, then we should um, sign up to be police officers ourselves that we think we can do a better job. Thank you. And, you know, I'll, I'll just clarify real quick. I wasn't telling you to push out a person of interest flyer. I was asking if one was going out, and we were getting no answer. And it was getting to be six, seven, eight o'clock at night, and we were getting calls from residences, calls from businesses, and people were saying, what's going on? And I said, call the sheriff's department, and they said, no one's answering. People aren't giving us information. I understand time is very of essence here, but I wanna make sure that it is very clear that neither of us up here, I'm only speaking for myself at this moment, told you to do something, because we are asking if you were doing something, and we got zero response from 
you, and it took a long time to get that response back, and that's the unacceptable part. So, yeah, so, um, um, yeah I, I hear what you're saying. We'll, we'll try to be more responsive if there was a lap, uh, kind of a lasp in uh, response on some of these things. Uh, we're certainly busy with a lot of moving parts in this kind of situation during and after the situation um, and getting the information out. We, again, uh, we have to make sure it's correct and there's a lot of uh, requirements, especially between a suspect wanted and a person of interest wanted. Uh, I won't get in the weeds on those, but yeah, I, I, we would be, you know, any time that we're not being as responsive, then then we, we need to do better in, in that. And uh, Councilmember Hireman, thank you for your kind words. I do appreciate it. It wasn't me, though. It was wonderful deputies. Your deputies at West Hollywood Sheriff's Station did a fantastic job uh, responding to the location, getting the location contained, getting people out, calling for additional resources. Thank you to LAPD Hollywood Division. Thank you to Beverly Hills Police Department. Thank you to all our city partners that helped out on this, everybody from the city that participated. Um, but um, it was really, and then of course to our Special Enforcement Bureau who does an outstanding job each and every time, the best in the country, uh, and uh, to uh, everybody who responded and helped out. So it was all them who did the amazing job they did. So thank you, thank you. so much. Thank you. We really appreciate um, you coming out and clarifying for members of the public. It is certainly not. Um, Anything that uh, is actually not within our purview as council members, we get the public asking us questions and we do have a right to give them answers and be responsive. Um, so thank you so much for all the work. Thank you to everyone who responded and we can always, always do better because we are West Hollywood and we will do better and I appreciate you working with us for that. Thank you. Thank you all. Good okay. night. Um, thank you so much. So um, I would like to actually uh, pull for, uh, 4C, the glue trap for, uh, from consent and put it back on excluded consent so that we can discuss uh, some of the comments that were made to add the invertebrate uh, definition that was presented to us from public comment. So uh, city attorney, can you let us know the process for that and how that should move forward? Yes, we can do that. In fact, if, if the council wants to move it, we could just put it back at back. 4C yeah. um, since it was a regular agenda item. Okay. I'll just make one or two quick comments and then you can um, decide as a group whether you want to do that. So the ordinance, as it's written, was intended to protect against the use and sale of all, all glue traps, regardless of what type of animal it's intended to capture. So it's written in a broad way intentionally and focuses on the glue trap, not every animal that it's intended to cover. So. I don't believe the, the changes to language are necessary, but ordinances can always be written in a variety of different ways and they can always be clarified. So um, it's ultimately up to the city council how you want this ordinance to read, how specific or how broad you want it to be. Um, if you want to leave it as is, you can leave it on consent. If you want to have a discussion about changing the language, I would put it back at 4C where it was originally on the agenda. Uh, I'd like to have a discussion uh, since we had certain uh, law professors and experts, really more than one person discussing this mm -hmm. uh, so that we can then decide as a council. Okay. Thank you. And All right. Sean, so that concludes my comments for this evening. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
So let's talk about the fiscal impact on consent calendar. Madam City Clerk, what is the fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar? Thank you, Mayor. The fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar with the addition of items 5A, 5B, 6A, 6C, and 6D is $1,241,000 in expenditures, $838,831 in revenue, and $29,093 in waived fees. Thank you. And we have a motion to adopt the consent calendar. And we have a second. And the consent calendar is adopted. Thank you so much. So now we are going to move to our public hearing this evening, which is item 3A. To adopt ordinance number 2312, a second reading an ordinance of the city of West Hollywood adopting by reference title 32 fire code of the Los Angeles County Code incorporating the California Fire Code 2022 edition with certain changes and amendments, making amendments to said codes, amending title 14 of the West Hollywood Municipal Code and finding the action exempt from the California Environmental Quality Act. The public hearing is now open. Madam City Clerk, how was this hearing noticed? As required by law. Uh, will the staff representative please introduce yourself and present the staff report? Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, and Council members. Um, this is one of the ordinances that's identified in the government code that we have to bring forward as a public hearing on second reading. It's a change in the law that happened last year. So we introduced it on first reading at our last city council meeting on April 7th, and this item, or I'm sorry, April 3rd, and this item is just the second reading to adopt it. Mayor, if there are no public speakers on this item, I would move that we close the public hearing and adopt the recommendation. We do not have any speakers. Wonderful, and it's been seconded by Mayor Pro Tem. Mayor, can you push? Thank you. Excellent. And the motion passes. And the motion passes. We will now move to item, uh, our legislative section, item 4A, an ordinance of the City of West Hollywood amending Title 17 of the West Hollywood Municipal Code relating to on-site manager and posting requirements, a prohibition against dog breed restrictions, penalties for failure to register, reusable tenant screening reports, the definition of principal residence, and protection against loss of parking as a housing service. Do we have a presentation from staff on this? Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, Council Members, Jonathan Hollow, Brent Stabilization Manager. I do have a presentation if you'd like to see it. Um, alternatively, if there's just some questions, I can do that. It's we can do a brief, maybe a, uh, or do we want to see the presentation? Or uh, Council Member Meister, you had some questions on a specific part. Yeah, it's actually concerns about a specific part. So I guess if there's a public speaker, we should hear from them first, and yeah. then I can. Thank you. Are there any public speakers on this? Yes, Mayor, we have one speaker this evening. Great. Alan Willian. Um, 
Good afternoon. Good evening. I filed papers with regard to this particular matter. Originally scheduled, this was a total ban of the ban. It's since been amended to restrict it to just the list of dogs on insurance carriers exclusion list. And that sounds pretty reasonable, but it's not. The problem is that um, dogs are inherently dangerous to tenants because California has what's called a strict liability law, which basically says if a tenant's dog bites someone, they're liable. You can't defend against it. It's strict liability. So if you permit tenants to have these dangerous dogs, you're permitting tenants to in effect shoot themselves in the foot. It is in their interest to protect themselves from these dogs because they're stupid to protect themselves from the dogs because they're getting them in the first place in apartments which are small little things, shacks, and they keep these huge dogs inside of them. With regard to the um, landlords, landlords are the ones that are really going to get screwed also because they have secondary liability and they have a policy with an insurance carrier which you cannot impair. And that particular policy basically says that they're permitted to have an exclusion shoved to them by the carrier. And even if there was no carrier, they have a right to exclude dogs with regard to the ones that are on the dangerous list because it's part of a health and safety issue. The bottom line is, is that if you want to exclude these particular animals, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to end up with a disaster in West Hollywood there's going to be dozens and dozens of lawsuits against tenants and separately against the landlord. But, but you're making an anti-tenant ordinance. I want you to understand that because they're strictly liable and you're permitting strict liability to be expanded. That's, a, that's just a stupid, awful thing. You need to restrict it, not expand Thank you. Your time is up. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know why the speaker timer didn't go off. We don't have any other speakers. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Meister. I guess first I would ask uh, City Attorney Langer to address that issue. Well, I don't know if John has anything to say about the ordinance and the proposals with respect to the dog breeds. Do you mean that? Well, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the ultimate point was other than that we amended it from the initial presentation to the council to allow for landlords and um, owners of condominiums, well, in the case of landlords, to present their insurance documents. And if their insurance documents show that particular breeds are not allowed under the policy, then they can apply for an exemption. Um, and if the CCNR say the same thing, the same thing would apply. So. Yeah. Do, um, do we... Uh do we still allow buildings to be to not have pets? We allow no pet buildings. Uh, generally speaking, with um, an ordinance amendment from last year, tenancies uh, that were entered into as of March twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, cannot prohibit dogs, cats, or birds under thirty five pounds. You can have one without risk of eviction. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, as long as I, I they're comfortable. I still have the other oh, the, the thing that I actually wanted to talk about. Um, so uh, my concern is with 
the definition of principal residence. Um, you have a number of factors and, and most of them are fine, but my big concern is um, if you look at page, I guess it's page uh, seven and eight, uh, items one and two, uh, because I understand that you're defining the, the, the uh, principal residence so that to actually try to protect tenants from being evicted for um, somebody's relative or whatever. But I think that having that definition, it works both ways, right? So my concern is that item, item one, which is whether the person carries on basic living activities at the dwelling unit, and item two, the amount of time that the person spends at any other dwelling unit, I think that those are pretty subjective. And so my concern is that could work against a tenant. It, if, what if a tenant travels a lot? What if a tenant has a, has a, a significant other that they spend the night? What if they don't have a car? And so the, you wouldn't be able to tell if they were home or they weren't home. Um, I think that items three through um, through seven are sufficient to define principal residence, um, but I do think that the first two are pretty subjective. So that's my concern. I, I think that um, this is really about defining uh, for a landlord who is gonna be able to move in and evict a tenant and then claim they're occupying as their principal residence. And the, the um, ordinance is written with a variety of factors that can be considered. And yes, they are subjective, but this is fairly commonplace in terms of, uh, and, and Lauren will understand what I'm talking about, personal jurisdiction and whether somebody is a resident of a state. Those are the same kind of factors that a court would use in determining whether somebody is a resident. I, I would love for us to have more specific and objective standards, but I don't think it's possible when we're trying to define where somebody resides and whether they have the authority to evict a tenant and they have to reside there for a year as their principal residence. So I'm comfortable with the language. I understand your concerns, but I think they've done the best they can. Thank you, council members. Um, Mayor Pro Tem, you had a question on something. Yeah, thank you. It was, I'm going back to the liability question regarding um, uh, what you're recommending on page three. So in regards to how landlords will be permitted to seek a departmental exemption from their insurance carrier, um, how will we as a city verify these things? So for example, we all know that residents in a city like West Hollywood could easily get a doctor's note or some other type of note to show why they have their dog. Or even in some cases, I've known residents who have pit bulls, or it might be a mixed dog or animal, um, have their veterinarian classify the dog not as a pit bull on their uh, dog's health information that they would submit. So what is the what is the process that the city does to ensure that landlords aren't going to just have this on the books um, 
and then kind of abuse it in those ways. Um, and I, I understand you might not be able to answer it because it is a hypothetical, but I just wanted to know what is that quality assurance aspect that we know that landlords can't do this, but we're also tracking it as a city. Right. Well, I think, um, first of all, everything that would be submitted, if we had a form, it would be submitted under penalty of perjury. Um, but also, um, CCNRs are generally a fairly official looking form and you can tell, I suppose we could have requirements that they be produced directly by the HOA and the same thing could be true for the insurer. I mean, we haven't, obviously this hasn't passed and we haven't implemented regulations yet, but um, we could also have uh, documents related to insurance policies submitted to us directly from, from the insurer. So there's ways to make sure it comes from a, a valid source and then once it comes from that source, we know that it's real. Yeah, that, that was my only concern in the item. Um, I also agree with what Councilmember Heilman said. I understand what my colleague said as well. I would just like to make sure it comes from an official source, and however, I can leave that open to you all. Um, that way, I know there's, I think the intent of the item then is still followed, and we're doing all that we can do as a city to kind of verify that. But that, that was my only question and, and comment, Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Councilmember Byers, do you have any comments? Um, I just want to show appreciation for this last item in the ordinance update regarding the right of re first refusal for on-site off-street parking. I know this is an issue that's come up and we've heard from a number of different tenants um, as updates are being made to their building and just appreciate the priority status given to first disabled tenants based on seniority of tenancy and then senior citizen tenants based on seniority and then seniority for all tenants. Um, as parking is getting adjusted, it's important to remember who uh, benefits the most from parking and how to continue to do that and not that we just give parking to the highest bidder at any uh, apartment. So I appreciate this piece of the ordinance specifically. Thank you. Thank you. And I, um, and I want to thank Councilmember Meister for um, bringing up the discussion. I do also agree with Councilmember Heilman from a legal perspective with personal jurisdiction. Those are the criteria that are used. So I understand it from that uh, in that way. So it sounds like um, we uh, are good tonight, and we have a motion and a second on this item. Thank you, and the item passes. Thank you so much for all your work, uh, Jonathan, on this. We are going to move to item 4B, uh, update on vacation short-term rental compliance and an ordinance of the city of West Hollywood amending the West Hollywood Municipal Code to remove the sunset clause and allow guest houses to be eligible for the home sharing business license program. Uh, do we have a presentation from staff on this? Thanks. Can I ask, as you're making the presentation, I got a couple of calls about this, and there's, I think there's some confusion about home sharing versus Airbnb in general. So as you're doing your report, can you make sure you clarify the distinction? Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, and members of the City Council. My name is Vito Adamitis. I'm the Neighborhood and Business Safety Manager for the city. I am joined here tonight by my director, Community Safety Director, Danny Rivas, and also my Code Enforcement Supervisor, Jessica Benitez, and Mr. Eugene Alper, who is here in the front row. 
for some background on this item, uh, this item goes back a number of years, almost 10 years. In 2014, the Shared Economy Task Force convened to assist with reviewing policies and impacts of shared economy businesses within the city of West Hollywood. These businesses included short-term vacation rentals and rideshare services. Task force meetings were held throughout 2014 and 2015, and in July of 2015, an ordinance was adopted by the city council which clarified the existing prohibition on short-term vacation rentals. On July 17th of 2017, the City Council also approved an ordinance to create a new home sharing business license, which allowed homeowners to rent a room or a portion of the home for a period less than 31 days while they still reside in the home. Additionally, the City Council directed staff to contract with host compliance to assist in short-term rental monitoring and compliance services related to the issuance of home sharing business licenses. The city's current short-term rental ordinance prohibits the renting or advertising of any dwelling unit or portion thereof for any period less than 31 days. In July of 2020, the city council also adopted an ordinance requiring that all rental units with some exceptions, must possess an additional lease term of at least one year. As part of their services to the city, host compliance monitors data from frequently used online platforms such as Airbnb, VRBO, and Flipkey, to name a few. As of April 1st of this year, their data shows that most of the STR listings, short-term rental listings, in the city were concentrated in the east side, center of the city, and West Hollywood North neighborhoods. The total number of short-term rental listings and short-term rental units throughout the city were 1,138 listings and 685 units, respectively. It is important to point out to the council that one short-term rental unit may have multiple listings across various websites. For this reason, from a programmatic standpoint, it is important to reduce the actual number of short-term rental units rather than just listings in addressing unpermitted short-term rental activity. Enforcing the city's prohibitions on short-term rentals by code enforcement officers can be challenging. As short-term rental listings usually do not disclose the address or specific location. As of March 30th of this year, host compliance was only able to confirm and identify the addresses of approximately 17.2% of the total number of short-term rental units being advertised at that time. I'd like to point your attention to page five of your staff report showing the bar graph that shows short-term rental and hotel average daily rate from 2017 to 2023. As you will see, the short-term rental rate in, in 2017 was $180 per night. In 2023, it is now $474. That represents an over 200 percent, actually 263 percent to be exact, increase. For the same time period, the average daily rate for a hotel room 
went up only a modest 1.09%. So when you see the jump from $180 a night to $474 a night, we begin to understand more clearly why they're the short-term rental hosts often go out of their way to avoid detection by the city's monitoring efforts. If a code enforcement officer finds a location of a short-term rental and finds necessary information to confirm a violation, property owners and identified tenants are sent a notice of violation and are advised to cease and desist from advertising and engaging in short-term rental activities. If compliance is not obtained, enforcement actions can include administrative citations ranging from $1,000 for the first violation up to $5,000 for the third violation. If it is found that there is evidence of an advertised rental rate, fines can also range significantly higher because in these instances, the, the fine is, an ad, is, a, is a factor, is a computation of the average nightly rate times the minimum number of nights to rent the short-term rental. Between the five-year period from 2018 to 2023, a total of 679 requests for short-term rentals were received and 203 citations were issued by the city. Since the initial report to the city council on short-term rentals in July of 2017 through March 30th of this year, Code enforcement has worked to enforce city regulations regarding short-term rentals, resulting in a 14% reduction in the overall number of listings and an 18% reduction in the number of units being used for illegal short-term rental purposes. I'd like to now speak to home sharing business licenses. The City Council adopted Ordinance 18-1024 in March of 2018. This allowed homeowners, typically those who own single-family homes and condos, to rent a portion of their residence for a period less than 31 days if they live in their home during their guest stay and if their home is used as their primary residence. Obtaining a city home sharing business license and paying the required transit occupancy tax, TOT, to the city is also required. The adopted ordinance by the council included a sunset clause. On January 20th of 2020, the city council approved an extension of this sunset clause for an additional two years, which expired March 3rd of last year. Since the program's inception in 2018, 52 applications for a home sharing business license have been received as of March 30th, 2023. 32 of the 52 applications have been approved and 22 of these remain eligible to continue to participate in the program. Overall, the program has been successful with only one license operator having their license revoked with no complaints directed to the city on licensed home sharing locations from July of 22 to April of this year. According to host compliance, licensed operators reported over 7,600 nights occupied, which generated over $1.7 million in gross income to homeowners and over $224,000 being paid to the city in transit occupancy taxes, and an additional 
$6,800 in late fees. Under the current home sharing ordinance, guest houses are not eligible for this program. Property owners with permitted guest houses cannot be issued a home sharing business license. The definition of a guest house in the West Hollywood Municipal Code is defined as the following. Quote, a detached structure of 400 square feet or less, accessory to a single family dwelling, accommodating living and sleeping quarters, but without kitchen or cooking facilities. Since these types of units are not considered a separate residential accessory dwelling unit, typically referred to as an ADU, that provides long-term housing, there is minimal concern of guest houses jeopardizing the affordable housing market. Staff recommends extending the home sharing business license program to allow homeowners to use a legal guest house for home sharing purposes. As noted in the attached ordinance before you, ADUs are not included as part of the home sh sharing business license program. I also wanted to uh, mention that 80% of the city's housing stock is rental housing. Of this, 75% are rent controlled units. We do not, staff does not expect that the inclusion of these guest homes will create a problem for the city. Home sharing businesses have generated substantial revenues for both property owners and the city through TOT revenues and generated little, if any, complaints. As such, staff recommends allowing legal guest houses to be added as part of the home sharing business license program and to remove the sunset clause from the ordinance to allow the program to continue indefinitely. Lastly, and in conclusion, Given the high priority of the short-term rental issue here in the city of West Hollywood, city staff are working with the city attorney's office to review and analyze the city's vacation and short-term rental ordinance to enhance enforcement efforts and will be returning to the city council for consideration of any potential amendments or recommendations on this issue. This concludes my staff report. I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have at this time. Thank you. Are there any questions from my colleagues? Okay. Mayor, I have one question. Um, the recommendation you're making regarding guest house, I, I understand that that's similar to home sharing and that you haven't had any problems with the home sharing aspect of the short-term rental. Um, but doesn't that take those guest houses off the potential rental market for long-term residents? Hi, Council Member Hellman. Um, yeah, so actually guest houses are supposed to be utilized for short-term uh, rental purposes. They're not intended to be utilized as uh, accessory dwelling units, uh, which are considered, right, for more long-term with cooking facilities, et cetera. So if we did get a report that somebody was living in a guest house, say long-term, um, that would become an issue uh, from a code enforcement perspective. And so that's why we're, we're recommending the inclusion of, of guest houses as part of the home sharing business license, because it's more short-term and would be included as a part of that, that process. Well, 
Maybe I don't understand your definition of guest houses because there are plenty of people who have single family homes who have a guest house in the back. And that guest house does have cooking facilities and uh, shower, et cetera. And those units have been rented forever in the city of West Hollywood. Why should any of them be allowed to be used for short-term rental when they could be used for long-term housing? Yeah, if they are approved um, for you know uh, long-term housing and they're capable of being utilized for long-term housing, then that's not something that we would be uh, recommending to the council or that we would be approving if somebody was uh, submitting an application to us. Um, so we certainly wouldn't be considering that and approving those types of uh, guest houses. Well, I, I guess I'm, I'm, well, we'll hear from the public, but I have concerns about the response and concerns about the way the ordinance is written. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member. Mayor Pro Tem, do you have a question? Yes, thank you so much. Um, out of the 1,138 STR listings, short-term rental listings on page uh, three of the staff report, um, I know you said uh, that you cannot identify where they are, but in general, can you can you ascertain if they're in rent-stabilized buildings? Like, for example, if it says, uh, insert address here, and we know that's a rent-stabilized building, like at the where I live, the corner of Curson and Fountain is, a, is an entire building that way. So if they're saying, go to this building, I know it's a rent-stabilized building, and if there's six listings in there, then that means six RSO units are off the market and they're being utilized in a way that we don't intend it to have can you fig know or do you know how many are being impacted at this time yeah and, um we yeah we don't we don't know how many are being um impacted and so the the program the code enforcement program as it relates to short-term rentals has always been 100 percent reactive um, and so even though, you know, from a proactive perspective, that's what we contract with host compliance for, is to scrub the internet, right, look for these uh, and identify these listings. They're also capable of sending out warning notices, um, but until a resident actually reports um, to the city uh, with a particular address or brings an issue to our attention, then that's when we begin the investigation process. So to your point, Mayor Pro Tem, if we did get um, a report uh, regarding 8300 Santa Monica Boulevard, that's City Hall, I'm just using that as an example. But if that were the instance, we would run it through host compliance. Yes, even though we wouldn't be able to identify the particular unit, we would still bring that to the landlord's attention and in hopes that right, the advertisement photographs, et cetera, or even the information that the tenants in the building are providing us would uh, allow us to identify the specific unit. Because even when we put the property owner on notice, um, uh, many buildings, as you're well aware, have multiple units, right? So it's not like uh, we know the exact unit and a lot of folks are not placing, hey, I'm in unit A um, or even at this address until you kind of conclude your transaction, if that makes sense. What happens when the landlord's in on the deal? Well, a lot of times uh, we rely on the reporting party information um, to supply us with that. And so at the end of the day, if we're able to identify that there is a listing occurring in that building, um, we essentially issue all our notices, all our citations to the landlord, no differently than we would to a tenant. Um, so that is always the first step. So 
Um, in many cases, too, the landlord will receive that notice of violation, and then they will say, well, yeah, I've heard the same thing. They'll work with code enforcement staff. They'll even provide us with the legal name of the tenant. Um, and then in those instances, now we'll start sending notices and citations, right, in addition to the landlord, directly to that tenant themselves. Do we or are we capable of fining Airbnb then as a result of being a party in this uh, violation? I mean, it takes two to tango. So it's the landlord, maybe they're in on it, or the resident, maybe they're doing it for other reasons. But then does Airbnb, VRBO, or any of these other um, agencies face any type of fine or penalty? Yeah, so that's definitely something that we've looked into, and I know our city attorney um, and, and her office has also um, looked into that. And I'd like to turn it over to the city attorney to just provide a little bit of context, because there are some legal challenges, obviously, as it relates to the advertisement portion of holding a platform responsible. Yeah, I think we're going to be reporting back in a, at another agenda item when we bring some proposed changes to the code. I will just say generally um, that there is a federal law that um, the platforms rely on to say that they can't be liable for something that someone else publishes on their website, and we can provide a little bit more um, detail on that and why we're going to recommend some changes to the code to give us more enforcement tools in our toolbox at a later agenda, at another date. But theoretically, that, that company publishes it. Like, I just don't get to go publish something like it it occurs. It's, I understand it's that free speech aspect that's going on right now with even social media companies, but mm. Airbnb, when you put something up there, they look at it and they approve it. So theoretically, right? You, I, you don't, I you can't don't have, speak yeah, to yeah, how, don't how about that. their business model, but yeah. I do know that in other lawsuits with other uh, municipalities, this is a defense that they've raised that they can't be liable under this federal law. But there are other changes to short-term rental ordinances that have been upheld by the courts, and so we're going to bring those forward to the city council to help strengthen our ordinance in the coming months. Great. I just have three more questions. Apologies, but this is a hot topic issue. What recourse or rights do tenants have that report um, Airbnb? or illegal short-term rentals in their complex. For example, um, oftentimes tenants are then harassed by the landlord. Um, and then maybe even, you get what I'm trying to say, what, are, what can they do um, and how can code further protect them for being a reporter of something that is illegally going on in their building? Yeah, so that, that's definitely something that would be handled um, by rent stabilization in terms of any potential, um, you know, harassment um, allegations um, or retaliation of tenants. Um, you know, code enforcement staff do maintain confidentiality of reporting parties. Um, that is a standard that we've always practiced. Um, but of course, you know, if somebody wanted to go to the extent, uh, meaning a landlord, um, in some instances, um, and who hires uh, an attorney, and an attorney wants to file a motion, or if there's court proceedings, et cetera, um, we at the city do everything that we can, again, to protect the confidentiality of the reporting party, because at the end of the day, yes, they're bringing these issues to our attention, but it's really the code enforcement officer themselves that's collecting the evidence, and then based off of that collection of evidence is pursuing, right, whatever violation uh, may exist and going through our administrative compliance process. So um, that is what we do um, standard, and that's why a lot, even for reporting parties, um, at times there's a little bit of frustration 
um, from them in terms of wanting to know all the exact details of a code enforcement case, which is not something, again, that, uh, that we divulge while the code enforcement case is active. So um, I'm going to ask my question that's unrelated now because I just forgot the question I was going <laughs> to was going to ask, oh, here we go, it's back. Um, in regards to property managers, can the city create a rule or officially mandate all on-site property managers to complete a mandatory training that Airbnb, VRBOs, and such are illegal in the city and kind of get them to essentially go through a training saying, if you do this, now we have you on record, you say, that you have completed a training knowing it's illegal and then if they do it anyways, there could be further recourse by the city. Are we allowed to mandate property man on-site um, property managers? Jonathan Holub answered this question for me already via email, but I'm happy to, I mean, I don't know, if, is Jonathan still here? Probably not. Well, the answer is there, it's, it's well, you, you can, t someone can text him and he can provide the answer. The last question is, and I'm sorry, Mayor, thank you very much, um, is moving on to the guest houses regarding what my colleague was saying. Um, and this is a, a larger question, but how many guest houses are we talking here? Are there, is there this, this mad rush in the city of West Hollywood to get every guest house out there? Or is it more like, because when I look at the numbers for the people that are legally compliant with um, our uh, home sharing ordinance, it was uh, 32, 30, yeah, 32 30, of the 32 52. So like, is there like, 600 guest houses of people just like, we need to rent this out, or like, what is the number? We've actually only had two oh, okay. um, that, that, I, that I know of. Um, it's okay. a very low and small number. Okay. Um, even with the, the home sharing business license, I mean, if you look at the statistical data that we provided since the inception of the program, um, you know, you had 52 applications that staff received since 2018, um, 32 were approved, um, and then that number has even downgraded since then, and so 22 are still currently eligible to participate, and as I mentioned, it's only been two uh, property owners that we have received communication from that have asked, like, hey, well, you know, can we uh, take advantage? They already have a home sharing business license. Um, in their primary residence, but they have a, a detached guest house that's there on the property. So that is something that staff has been dealing with as a part of the review process. And so we thought, well, let's let's try to see if that's something that would be feasible. Thank you. Um, are there any other questions? Council Member Byers? So it sounds like a reasonable idea to be able to expand this. The challenges with uh, the enforcement, do you have concerns that if we expand this to guest houses, this will create more of um, a thinking that Airbnb is what's actually legal? That's sort of the challenge I'm up against. This link, you know, we're stacking three different programs into the same staff report, and we're getting confused up here about it, so the public's even more ripe to get confused. What can we do, should this be expanded, I guess, to ensure that there's really, there's clarity around what we're talking about and making sure that this doesn't open us up to more enforcement challenges across Airbnb issue? Yeah, absolutely. I think the two aspects, the takeaways from the home sharing um, uh, business license ordinance that's before you all is, that number one, um, uh, us not having a sunset clause and essentially uh, establishing the program 
uh, permanently, and then secondly is considering the guest house. And to answer your question, Councilmember Byers, um, our experience uh, in the data before you um, does not show or reflect that there are issues that we've been experiencing. I mean, the over um, a couple hundred uh, uh, STR uh, short-term rental units and the listings that you're seeing, um, those are uh, rent-stabilized uh, buildings. So, I mean, we've had two instances, uh, two complaints over the course of the home sharing business license for license operators, um, one of which we end up revoking their license. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's our experience that home sharing business license operators um, do the right thing if there are issues which the very minimal ever, if at all, get brought to our attention. Most of the investigations um, are all on short-term rental and rent-stabilized units. Councilmember Meister? Yeah, I just wonder, did staff even consider the fact that it may not have any, that the impact may not be what's existing, but what's, what is being planned for? So in other words, if I'm buying a home um, and I was thinking about an ADU and now this possibility that I can be making, you know, $400 a night renting out my unit, why would I build an ADU? I mean, unless my parents were coming to live with me, but. Right. I mean. They already do. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I just wonder if you've considered that this, this impact is not only about what exists, but what could, could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it is something that staff considered, and I guess we were looking, obviously, at, you know, the history of the 2018, but looking to the future, um, what you just posed, uh, Councilmember Meister, um, could potentially happen. Um, but um, in that sense, you know, if we are uh, creating issues or there are instances where we're seeing it um, impact in, in a way that we don't foresee at this moment, um, staff could always come back to the city council with making an amendment to remove that as part of the home sharing business license program. But again, it's up to the city council and the will whether or not you're willing to consider that as part of this update or not. Yeah, I would just say we have to also look at this as, is this an incentive or a disincentive for, for ADUs? Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Um, we do have, uh, we do have, we have one more question. One more question, I'm sorry. Yes. And I, I think, I, I want to apologize because I think my questions before created confusion. Um, and I think that's what, what Chelsea was uh, referring to as well. So um, these sort of, uh, I can't remember what you're calling them, guest houses, those are less than 400 feet and they have no kitchen and no cooking facilities. So those would not likely be things that a landlord would be renting out, nor would a tenant likely accept. And there's probably not that many of those as opposed to the ADU, which would have um, cooking facilities, which could be used for a long-term regular rental. That, that's correct. Okay, and then just on uh, Councilmember Meister's comment, I think most people who were trying to build something, they're more likely to build the ADU. It's gonna be more valuable in the long run to have those uh, cooking or kitchen facilities as opposed to the mere guest house. So I, I'm, you know, I think we should monitor it if we go this route, but I, I'm not too worried about the perverse incentive. But thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Councilmember Howman and also Councilmember Meister for bringing this up. As I mentioned, the proposed ordinance before you uh, does not include ADUs, accessory dwelling units. It's only the guest house. Thank you. I think we have uh, some public commenters. Let's hear from them, please. Yes, thank you, Mayor. Our first speaker this evening on this item is Julian Tucker, to be followed by Tori Funk. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor and City Council members and also City staff. Um, my name is Julian Tucker, as mentioned, and I have the pleasure of serving as the General Manager of the Andaz vs. Hollywood, which some of you may know. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, how this impacts our industry. Um, we uh, in the City of West Hollywood, colleagues and I, uh, work together to create excellent experiences for all visitors and guests into West Hollywood. Um, turning potential homes into unregulated hotel rooms really disrupts community um, with operations and evading payments of transient occupancy tax, revenue per available room, which is very important to our industry, and also not to mention market share uh, for the 21 hotels currently operating in the city limits. Um, the staff report um, reflects roughly 32 um, hosts, as, as Councilman Erickson mentioned, um, but um, just a simple search, and you'll see that there are a lot more un unregulated out there um, that you can find on Airbnb or any of these sites that exist. Um, so we think there are some challenges there um, in regulating the current um, regulations that exist. Um, and you know, it begs the question, um, does it really make sense to expand the regulations when we know that there's a lot out there that still need to be regulated and are invading the systems? Um, so, you know, we urge the city council to um, really take a look and, and, and reject this amendment and allow the home sharing guests uh, instead invest more resources in enforcing what's already existing um, and sharing those regulations. I thank the city council for their time and attention and allow me to speak on this important matter. Thank you. Thank you, Julian. Our next speaker is Tori Funk to be followed by Mary Kate. Hello. Wait, sorry, there we go. Hello, my name is Tori Funk, um, and I'm a data analyst at Better Neighbors Los Angeles. Um, Better Neighbors is a coalition of tenants, uh, housing activists, hotel workers, um, all with the goal of um, supporting stronger enforcement of short-term rental policies across Southern California. Um, at Better Neighbors, we scrape data off of short-term rental platforms to analyze it and to see how compliant um, hosts and platforms are with um, local regulations. Um, in March 2023, there were 886 listings in West Hollywood advertised on Airbnb. 670 of them were advertised as entire home rentals, meaning that there is no host on site, and therefore there are a lot of people that are not in compliance with the vacation rental um, regulations in the city. So therefore, we don't think it really makes sense to expand the home sharing licensing program when there is already such a problem with enforcement of the home sharing program. Um, we are in a housing crisis, and so I think focusing energy on these illegal operators should be the focus right now, rather than expanding um, you know, the regulations to allow guest homes. 80% um, of West Hollywood's community is made up of renters, and so the city should be prioritizing keeping large, the large majority, this large majority, housed um, over increasing revenue streams for homeowners. 
Additionally, staff cited that um, expanding this to guest homes would allow for increased revenue for the city, but there's already a lot of um, available revenue for the city if they were issuing proper citations to these non-compliant hosts. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you, Tori. Our next speaker is Mary Kate to be followed by Ian Schulke. Um, thank you once again for the opportunity to speak. Um, uh, I reside in a building that is uh, subject to the rent stabilization ordinance, which has been routinely used to house uh, unregulated and unpermitted short-term rentals. And we continue to see, in spite of enforcement officers doing their best to show up and try to police this issue, it's still ongoing. Landlords do not care about fines. They see it as a cost of doing business. They don't care about whether a guest house says that you may or may not have to have a kitchen. They're just gonna do it anyways. I can assure you on the basis of what we experienced, this is allowing a huge loophole that is going to be exploited by property owners and homeowners. It's going to remove housing and it is going to create absolutely a bad incentive for bad actors. As you've stated in your report, you have 1,200 short-term rentals, and you can only ID 17% of them. How are we honestly going to police this? How can you assure residents that this is actually going to not create a bigger issue? So I, I really urge the city council to reject this amendment and to enforce the short-term rental laws and improve them um, to prevent residents like ours to have to continue to put up with this. Thank you. Thank you, Mary-Kate. Our next speaker is Ian Schulke to be followed by Juan Munoz. Hello, everyone. Um, I am relatively new to West Hollywood and Los Angeles in general. Prior to that, I lived over 20 years in Seattle, Washington, in a vibrant and diverse and largely LGBTQ community. The last few years I lived there, I watched as that community was quickly forced out and cast to the winds due to corporate and landlord greed. And while we have rent control here, which is wonderful, I see a similar creeping lust for profit in the form of a proliferation of illegal short-term rentals, including two in my own apartment building. And despite having concrete evidence to these two rentals, I've seen code enforcement do little more than take statements and put signs on doors, signs that are quickly ripped down by the management. There's already too much work to be done in regards to these illegal rentals. Reducing regulations is only going to make that worse. We shouldn't be spending time and energy reducing regulations. We should spend that time and energy enforcing the regulations we already have, enforcing the fines, and making sure that these landlords and rental companies are not taking advantage of the population and the public and destroying another wonderful, vibrant community. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Our next speaker is Juan Munoz, to be followed by Steve Martin. Good evening, Mayor Shine and honorable members of the West Hollywood City Council. My name is Juan Munoz, and I'm a researcher with Unite Here Local 11. Uh, we support staff's proposal to remove the sunset clause to make the short-term rental ordinance permanent, but we oppose allowing guest houses to become de facto hotel rooms for tourists. West Hollywood, like the rest of California, is in a housing crisis. This is a council that cares about housing and cares about renters and consistently leads on those issues. This is why we're concerned to see staff's recommendation to allow guest houses to be eligible for the home sharing business license program. As we have been hearing 
Over the last several months, we are bleeding our existing housing stock to short-term rentals, despite the city's strong ban on the practice. The staff report notes that there are 1,138 listings and 685 STR units in West Hollywood, but only 52 operator licensing applications have been received and only 32 approved. We need to get enforcement under control, not find ways to allow more STRs onto the market. Please remove the sunset clause and continue working with us to strengthen the ordinance, but do not allow guest houses to be STRs. Thank you. Thank you, Juan. Our next speaker is Steve Martin to be followed by Eugene Mayskai. Steve Martin, West Hollywood. Uh, when I first moved to West Hollywood, when I was in my 20s, I home shared my apartment every weekend. Uh, unfortunately, it was kind of a nonprofit. Um, anyway, <laughs> what I have to say, Mary, Juan, and Ian, <laughs> John, stop it. Uh, I, I have to second what they've said. You know, the, the gig economy, the, uh, the shared economy, was embraced by a number of people on the city council back a few years back without any thought of what the consequences were gonna be on so many different issues, and this is just one of them. Uh, one of the things that would be very concerning is that if you've got an ADU with a kitchen facility today, why not rip out the kitchen so that you can now be a guest house? Because then you would qualify. The other is, is that this is West Hollywood and people are looking for a variety of housing. I don't have to have a kitchen. I can bring in a coffee pot and a microwave and I've got a kitchen facility in a guest house. Mm -hmm. I mean, that may sound silly to most people, but it does, it's not for a lot of people who are single and people who are students because that's how they're living already. So I think we really need to look at how does this impact our housing stock? Because that's why we're here. We're here to, to fight, to keep West Hollywood residential, to keep, to make sure that we've got places for people to move here, and to also to make sure that our residents are not being evicted. I have a friend who lives in a very small uh, ADU with a kitchen. His landlord is always harassing him. It looks like the landlord has subdivided the main house and is using it as an illegal Airbnb. There's an apartment of a garage that looks like it's an unregistered Airbnb. Um, I, I appreciate staff's report, actually. It was very eye-opening and very thorough. But I would just suggest, I know I'm running out of time, that to, to deny what you're doing here, but also to take a Saturday and maybe have a study session with rent stabilization and invite the public. I mean, you're hearing from, from the people up on Larrabee, and that's great, but there's people all over this city that need to be heard and need to have an opportunity to be heard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Eugene Maysky to be followed by Bradley Bushel. Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Bertem, Council members, city staff. Uh, I'm Eugene Maysky. I'm a tenant outreach organizer for CES, Coalition for Economic Survival. We are trying to protect tenants from various things that are apparently uh, create bad conditions in our city. So. One of the things is Airbnb, which creating an obvious crisis for a lot of tenants. It brings harassment to the tenants who live in the units. It lowers their life conditions. It also creates unsafety environments for the people who live in those buildings. 
because they have people who travel around, create parties, and obviously bring unsafe environments to the long-term tenants who live in those buildings for decades. They used to have safety in their own home, now they don't. So my question to staff and the council is, why are we now considering expanding another loophole for potential Airbnb, VRBO, and all of those great things that we should keep outside the borders of our great city. We have another source for income. Apparently we have 12,000 units that we can investigate and get some money for the city based on that. Apparently, according to research of some of the tenants who, actually, who actually did their homework, city is losing about $20 million on already existing units who are illegally being run in our city. So why don't we take our resources, our code compliance, and actually grab that money from the illegal Airbnb? Why don't we do that? instead of expanding another loophole for Airbnb. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our last speaker in chambers this evening is Bradley Bushell, and then we will move to uh, one individual in Zoom. Hello. Uh, my name is Bradley Bushell, and I would like to speak on the topics of mold and short-term rentals. Uh, when I prepared this, I didn't realize the ordering, so please bear with me. I'm a current resident of an apartment where the landlord was de deliberately avoidant in addressing obvious signs of mold for more than a year. The new drywall was installed over visible mold. We hired a building inspector at our personal expense, which confirmed what we already knew. The repairs to the roof were never completed, and the wall where the mold was first reported showed levels of high moisture. We are pursuing, pursuing legal options, but until at uh, this point, the financial burden has been placed on us, the residents. We recognize that for many, the upfront costs would make this option prohibitive. Uh, we have on only paid to have one unit inspected due to the costs. Adjacent units have had ceiling leaks congruent with the originally infected unit. One tenant adjacent to the unit is an elderly woman who is 88 years old, where English is her second language. I spoke to her son, who is her primary caretaker, and he, he indicates she also has leaks. A quick comment in regards to short-term rental agenda item. It's worth noting these topics share a common thread. In recent years, West Hollywood has become a more popular place to live and visit, and that makes it vulnerable to nefarious characters looking to cut corners to make a quick buck. This erodes at the very things that make West Hollywood so special. In order to to preserve the quality of life uh, for, the West, for West Hollywood and its residents, we must support the MOLD initiative and continue to not allow guest houses to be eligible for short-term rentals. Thank you. Thank you, Bradley. We'll now go to the one individual we have in Zoom. We have one speaker on this item, Jamie Francis. Go ahead and press star six. You will have two minutes. Jamie, please press star six to unmute. Yes, thank you. 
Thank you, Council. I just want to say that um, I experienced how a landlord, unbeknownst to that landlord, had a person who occupied a unit and illegally rented it to friends, and for two years, uh, that person got away with illegal rentals. And I had to pay the consequence along with other residents because of fear of retribution. It took me literally eight years to live off of Sunset Boulevard and only because of an affordable unit. What about those of us who want to buy for units that may be rent controlled, few and far between uh, on Sunset, but somebody who's young, who's in the entertainment business, who's in the music industry, who's in the YouTube to Instagram to TikTok industry can basically surpass us and move and basically dictate uh, what determines who gets to reside in the city and bypass residents. I'm against this amendment because what happens is that it allows affluent people to move into the jurisdiction and those of us have to incessantly and perpetually wait and just prolong our aspects of what housing we're eligible for. And we are pigeonholed and determined where we can live. I've lived here for 12 years. I can't even move into the 90069 zip code. I've been forced to stay in a 90046, which is fine. But some of us don't want to live in older units that might be dilapidated. We want upgrades too. We want our options. And yet we're forfeited because you have these homeowners or these people who don't even live on the premises, maybe even out of the state, who determine and dictate based on who has more money and more influence, corporate rentals, hospitality, you name it, someone trying to get into this city, and that they're using the backdrop of West Hollywood to show that I've made it. And those of us who have to live in the same unit year after year or only move once after 20 years, that is unacceptable. It took two years for Jeff Jones only be aware of what was happening with these corporate rentals. I mean, it's unbelievable. I've lived here and I cannot believe the lack Thank you, of Jamie. opportunity other than living here. Thank you, Jamie. Pardon, is my time up? Yes, it is. Mayor, that was our only speaker on Zoom. Thank you so much and thank you for the report. I'm gonna open up the discussion for this evening. Uh, who would like to start? Councilmember Meister. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, so looking at these numbers, for example, the fact that we've only had 52 applications and 32 approved, I don't even see why we're doing this. I don't see why we're expanding it because it doesn't seem to me, um, looking at those numbers, that, that, it's, um, that the demand is there, although we know that the demand is there, but it's probably the demand that doesn't get you know, doesn't go for a, a business license. Um, you know, you can have a small guest house with a bar sink and bring in a little refrigerator and a, and a microwave. And as Mr. Martin said, you have a kitchen. Um, you can charge, based on the average amounts, you can charge $300 a night. For four nights, that's $1,200, times four weeks, that's $4,800. That's more than you would get in rent from a 750-square-foot ADU. So I, I think that this will act to disincentivize the creation of ADUs for housing rather than, and I don't see why, and I don't see that it's worth it. We have a number of hotels, we have a number of hotels that are that are in the pipeline, 
So we, it's not like we're lacking in hotel rooms. Um, and, and based on this, you're saying that hotel rooms are, are less expensive than, than these, than these um, home shares. I also believe that if you have that guest house, whether or not the person is the, the owner of the property is home, it's a separate unit, they are not going to necessarily, you know, abide by house rules. Uh, if the person leaves, they're in a backyard, that's affecting other tenants, and, and then there's nobody in that, in that structure to say, no, you can't do that. Um, I just think this is a really bad idea, and I also think that we should just extend the sunset clause. I don't know that we should make SDRs uh, legal forever. I believe that this is one of the biggest reasons why we have a housing crisis and we have rents that are unaffordable is because of the short-term rentals and the fact that the state of California hasn't addressed this and that you know, cities are allowing this, the city of LA especially. I, I think that this is a very, very big problem that is not gonna go away unless, unless we limit short-term rentals as, as much as we can limit them uh, legally. And I, I am, I'm with the speakers. I think we should be spending our resources in shutting down these illegal rentals. The other thing is, lastly, is that we have the rent, um, rent stabilization and housing now has a new tool by having every unit uh, that's rented uh, is registered. Um, maybe we need to have on that registration, uh, you know, that make sure that the landlord signs something that says, we are aware, I am aware that short-term rentals are illegal in, in uh, rental apartments. And that way, then if they're caught, it becomes you know, more than just, uh, it, it becomes a bigger issue if they are literally signing some kind of affidavit that, that this is, they know that this is not legal in, in, uh, in the city of West Hollywood. So I would, I would, if it were up to me, I would extend the sunset clause as it is and not, and not uh, make it legal forever, unlimited time, um, and I would, I would definitely not um, approve uh, of, of guest houses being allowed uh, to be included as, as part of the short-term rental um, ordinance. Thank you. Council Member, Council Member Byers. Thank you. Um, I am also worried about what it would mean to allow guest homes. They do seem to provide a very different opportunity for marketing than the traditional home share program allows. Um, marketing a room for rent in a detached building that happens to be a guest home feels very different than marketing a room under uh, the same roof as someone who is currently living there, even if in fact they may not be there at that time. It just reads and appears to be very different. So if we were to consider this, I think it should be considered differently than the current home share program. But at this time, I don't think I'm prepared to support this tonight at all. I'm fine with the idea of extending the sunset rather than eliminating altogether, so long as we have a really clear date for when that would return back to this council. And I think that's all I have to add to the conversation. Thank you. All right, Council Member Heilman. Thank you, and uh, thank you to everyone who came out to speak tonight. Uh, thank you, staff, as well. I, I think part of the problem here is the 
timing on this. It seems like we should be addressing enforcement of our existing ordinance, particularly in existing uh, rental housing. That's That to me is the biggest problem. So I really think that this matter should be deferred until a later time. Uh, if, if we need to um, extend the sunset clause for a period of time, I would support that. But I, I can tell you going door to door during the election, seeing apartment buildings where numerous units had those kind of locks on the doors that realtors use, those are being used by Airbnb people. They're not being used by realtors because this is an apartment building. So I, I don't, I, I really feel we need to, and I know Lauren is working on that. I think we need to get a handle on how best to enforce our existing regulations before we think about expanding. Based on our conversation, the guest house, I'm, I'm not as worried about it as Councilmember Meister that it will somehow create this strange incentive or that people will start ripping out the kitchens so that they will have a guest house. Um, and I think there are just so few of them that actually qualify ex uh, at this time. I think it could be a manageable program, but I don't want to do it until we get a handle on the things that are currently impacting residents like the residents on Larrabee. And not just Larrabee, as Steve Martin said, this is an issue throughout the city where people suddenly find that a unit next door to them, which was permanent housing for a resident, has been converted into a short-term rental. So until we get a handle on that, I, I can't support this. Everyone, thank you so much for your applause. Please hold your applause until the very end so we can get through uh, tonight. Mayor Pro Tem Erickson. Um, yes, thank you so much, and thank you to all the members of the public that came out. I know I've spoken with a number of you. Um, I want to thank you for both your patience as well as your continued presence to push this forward. Um, it takes a lot to come out on a Monday when you already have jobs and you already have other things to do. To the public commenter who spoke about mold, I won't call you out. I know you just raised your hand, but um, if you could connect with Danny and Vito afterwards from our code team, I would love for them to talk to you to make sure that you're getting, uh, your issue is getting addressed. I don't know if you already have something done. That's I'll let that be it, but we want to make sure you get connected to this. And your item is, your problem is exactly why we did the mold, the mold item. Um, so I see this in very similar ways of, as my colleagues. Um, I think we should be banning Airbnb outright in this city. I think that these things are only further hindrances to all of the problems that are going on that my colleagues very eloquently addressed. I'm very concerned about the 685 number of STR units. I'm, I would guesstimate that a lot of those are in rent-stabilized units or um, uh, rent-stabilized buildings, as we know, and so I, I, would, I know we can't find out that information. Um, but I, I am worried that we are having people who want to live in the city of West Hollywood, want to be long-term residents in the city of West Hollywood, want to take part in all that goes on in their building, um, and they're being denied that, and that's a problem. Um, I, I, 
I know that the code enforcement team is doing all that they can to address this. I know you're a small but mighty group, but maybe we need to look at um, further um, upping the fine schedules to help offset any type of continued ongoing presence for the, the Airbnb short-term stay rental aspect because frankly, um, we need to find a way to litigate our ways out of this um, or into a problem that I think we need to fight. We also need to, and I believe Santa Monica and Beverly Hills do this, find a way to get this data that is being used and to further help what we're doing. Um, and so I, I myself, you know, I, I, I know several of the people that use the, the city's home sharing program. It's fine. It's successful. It's attached to their house and, and they're doing it fine. And I'm not as concerned there because that's a very small, small number. I, I don't think we need to include it to the guest houses. Wherever my colleagues are with the sunset date, I'm fine with removing it or if a majority of us want to keep it, but I do think that what we do need here is to essentially uh, table this item and really come back with what the city attorney is going to be talking about um, or furthermore giving direction um, to, to bring forth litigation against these companies as a city. Um, and I think that ultimately that we need to lead that way because of the statistics that you talked about with our housing stock being around 80%. Um, so I know that can come forward and then we won't be able to talk about it in public or whatever will be happening in a future staff item. Um, but at this point, I, I don't support moving this to the guest houses. I can go either way on the sunset date. I don't really have a feeling one way or another, but I'm happy to remove it um, if that's the will of the council because I do know that this is being handled by our staff appropriately with our city, one that we do. Um, and then I think that was the only other thing that we need to give direction on, right? So that's where I'm at. Thank you so much. Um, I am uh, not a fan at all of Airbnb. Um, and uh, quite frankly, the amount of Airbnbs that are uh, proliferated in this city is out of control and um, we do need to focus on enforcement and uh, figure out what ways and I'm looking forward to that item coming where we have better enforcement and whatever ways and money we can invest um, to make sure we're doing more enforcement uh, it is causing our uh, neighborhoods quality of life to go down it is causing uh, the cost of housing to get higher in our city. And I, I actually absolutely agree that there is a future impact if we do this. So I'm not supportive of the guest homes at all. And it is, is very easy to then all of a sudden come into West Hollywood and say, we want to build, we're going to build a guest house and make a lot of money. And there are folks, there are young folks that want to come to our city and they will go ahead and get a microwave and a there's so many ways to have a tiny kitchen. I have a kitchen. I go out and eat a lot. Maybe not using it as much. There we go. And so I absolutely don't support the guest house. Um, uh, and I don't think it sounds like none of us do. I'm not sure we need to table this. I think we have enough to vote on this tonight. And let's make a decision and set 
the message out to Airbnb that we will not be doing anything like this. And um, as far as the sunset clause, um, I am okay removing it or extending it for a short period of time. I think Councilmember Heilman uh, made a good point that maybe we extend it for uh, a year and see what happens. And also, let's also remember our hotels are recovering and anything like guest houses are essentially hotel rooms. And we want our hotels and our businesses to get that money and not uh, private people that are then contributing in ways that we don't want in our city. So that's where I am on this. So um, I'm happy to make a motion to uh, say no on the guest homes, increasing the sunset clause. Oh, City Attorney Langer would like to comment. Oh, no, that's fine. I can read the changes into the record so you can adopt the ordinance tonight once Perfect. you get the direction. Thank you. Uh, so maybe extending the uh, sunset clause a year. Yeah, a year, and um, that's it. So a year from now, because it actually expired in 2022, and so you want one more year from... One more year, okay. and get a report back on it so before it expires again with some more data. <laughs> it expired March 2022. So we could do March 2024. Yes. Okay. So. That's it. Okay. So for the ordinance that's in the agenda packet, you can just strike section three, because that's the section that makes the changes for guest house. You don't need that. And renumber all the sections, and then what is now section three will say, section 566-110 sunset clause of chapter 566 of title five of the West Hollywood Municipal Municipal Code is amended to state a sunset clause date of March, I guess, 3rd, 2024. 2024. So it's... With the we want to do it a year from today. Why don't we do it a year from today? Yeah, April 17th. Yeah, April 17th. And with, with extra direction to staff to come back with us, uh, to us with a report maybe three months before okay. so that we can then... Uh, take whatever data we have and make a decision um, at that time. And a question? Yes. For uh, Lauren, so there, I, um, number four in the ordinance actually is a definition of primary residence. Shouldn't that be consistent with the primary residence definition or no? It's a good question. That The definition is actually already in the code, which is why I said you could um, scratch that entire section because you don't need to change it. The definition of primary residence now says um, any residential unit that the owner or leaseholder resides in at least 270 days per year. A host can have only one primary residence. I think this is a good objective standard in order for staff to be able to determine who's eligible for a home sharing license and who isn't compared to the factors we talked about in the last ordinance, were, which were um, a variety of factors used to determine whether a landlord could effectively move into a unit or not. So I think it's okay to have different definitions for these purposes. Okay, thank you. All right, we have a motion and a second. And just to clarify the record, the part of the motion is for staff to return three months prior to the sunset date with an update on our current numbers. Yes, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and I wanted to make sure, just to clarify, I think we're all interested in staff coming back with various options for us to 
um, improve our enforcement mechanisms, improve our ordinances. So I'm looking forward to that as well. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to mention the prohibition on short-term rentals is actually in the zoning ordinance. So I was thinking of going to the Planning Commission first and then coming here to speed it up, if that's yes, all right. Okay, we'll go great. to Planning Commission first. Okay. And, and when this comes back to us in a year, um, I would ask that this not just be a code enforcement. I think it's also a housing issue. So. I don't, I'm sure you got input from stabilization, but I think they should be here as well. Thank you. Absolutely agreed. Um, so it is eight. Please return to your seats. We're going to commence the meeting. Okay, yes. Um, so we are going to go ahead and move to item 4C, the ordinance to prohibit the use and sale of glue traps within the city. Um, we don't have any new speakers on this, do we? We actually do. A new speaker? Yes, it's okay. a new speaker. Um, do you want to hear from our speaker before you make yes. the changes? Okay. Thank you. Rabbi Jonathan Klein. Hi, everyone. Rabbi Jonathan Klein, Faith Action for All. I was here in, uh, what was it, 2012, maybe, for the fur, uh, fur ban issue and was so excited by West Hollywood taking the lead in that moment. And look at the effect it had. It continued to Los Angeles and then to the whole state. And um, this really has been a wonderful uh, city for taking progressive measures in a whole slew of issue areas, including around animal protection, animal rights, animal uh, welfare. And so I just, um, I'm gonna say me too to what I think is already gonna go forward. I won't take up your time, I just wanna commend you for um, even being willing to put it on the consent calendar. That is a fantastic statement of values and we're proud of the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Klein. Mayor, that was our only additional speaker. Thank you. Um, City Attorney, can we get the uh, alternative uh, definition read to us so we can... Sure. Think. So the proposal that was submitted was... I, I think the comment was the glue traps... Um, well, let me find the language. The rule is that in the... It is unlawful to set, place, or otherwise use a glue trap or permit any other person to set, place, or use a glue trap to capture or kill any animal within West Hollywood after one, date, one year from the effective date. So as I mentioned earlier, we wrote the ordinance just to kind of cover all glue traps, no matter the animal they were intended to capture. The comment from the public was you should define the term animal so it's clear which animals you're talking about. Um, so the proposed language that was submitted uh, by the member of the public would add a new definition for the word animal. I, if you put it in, I would put it in as um, definition A, because they're in alphabetical order, and then just renumber the three other definitions. And what she wrote was, animal as used in this section 
this chapter shall mean any vertebrate or invertebrate animal, such as birds, rodents, reptiles, and insects. Again, it's a, it's a choice of the council how specific yeah. you want to be and whether you think it's necessary. Uh, my feeling, since I asked for this, is that um, for the purposes of this ordinance, uh, it is really important to be specific because specific lets the public know exactly what to expect. Often, when you say animal, people kind of think it's the big animals. They're not always thinking of insects, spiders, invertebrates. So that's why I support this. Adding this definition is not going to do any harm. If, in fact, it will um, give a stronger statement from our city of what our values are. So um, that's what I would like to support. Um, I want to hear from my colleagues on what your thoughts are, Councilmember Meister. Yeah, um, I'm I'm fine with that. Okay. I think I think what we saw uh, in in the ordinance. Well, for me, I saw in the findings that it, we did discuss already about uh, about animals, insects, yeah. dogs, cats, rats, and, and other beings. Um, and so I I felt it was covered. I thought that the fact that we were looking at any glue trap would be broad enough to include it, um, but I'm fine with making it more specific if we feel we need to. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Byers. Yeah, I agree. I, I felt the original um, ordinance was, covered it, but in hearing from the public and in seeing the opportunity we have under this definition chapter to add animal as definition B, um, I think it will reinforce a broader you know, context that the public may not necessarily think of when they think of glue traps. So I'm um, in favor of it and really grateful to the public who raised this concern as an opportunity to expand the definition for those who may not be thinking this way. Thank you. Councilmember Howman. Yes, I, I agree that it was already referenced in the findings and the findings refer to both vertebrate and invertebrate animals. So I I don't uh, think this changes anything, but it just makes it more specific, so I would support it. Mayor Pro Tem is seconding, or Council Member Meister seconded, so we can go to a vote. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Excellent. Let's go ahead and move to um, item 5A, and we're only going to do any remaining directs and no at-larges tonight for Commission Advisory Board appointments and reappointments. Um, who has any directs that they'd like to make tonight? Oh, uh, do we have public comments on this item? We have one individual who would okay. like to speak. Rick Thank Watts. Okay. Actually, I have two. Two, okay. Uh, thank you, Council. Rick Watts, City of West Hollywood. And uh, I thank you for, again, moving forward with, with this. I just do want to, uh, uh, while we do need to get these, these slots filled, we need to m make sure that we get them filled with people who are qualified and who are looking to uh, uh, serve on border commissions for, for the right reasons, namely to serve the, the constituencies that those, uh, that the city designed those boards or commissions uh, to uh, uh, their, their concerns to to uh, to properly address uh, because the the um, the the public deserves to know that those duties are are dual. They're, they are dual to the, the duties are to 
the city government, but also to those constituencies. Those boards and commissions are to be uh, liaisons between the two. And uh, the public needs to be confident that uh, people who are going to be going into public service are there to serve the public. Um, and uh, so that's the, the only thing that I have to, to state. And uh, um, wish you due diligence in, in making sure that that is so and getting these uh, um, positions filled with people who are, uh, uh, are, are good, are qualified, uh, well-meaning, and are there for the right reasons and play well with others. Thanks. Thank you, Rick. Our next speaker is Stephen J. Post, and that's our final speaker in chambers. Hi, council members. Uh, thank you for your time and for your service. Um, I came up two council member or two council meetings ago, uh, speaking on the same issue. Um, hearing that uh, at large appointments are still not being considered, that's uh, okay. So I'll probably be back uh, whenever that is happening for the Public Safety Commission. But um, just wanted to tell a little bit more about myself. Um, previously, I came from Ohio, where I worked as the president of the Council of Graduate Students. Um, we did a lot of work um, around community policing. Uh, I organized an annual police dialogue for five years running um, with over 250 community members, police officers, citizens, students, um, really trying to encourage a dialogue and openness uh, to both release emotions um, during many tenuous times um, in the community, but also to find solutions of how to improve public safety. Um, and as a public safety commissioner, I would be bringing that experience as well as the importance of relying on community input and impact. And so I think um, I'm someone that can bring that experience of how to bring that uh, community input in and create uh, smart uh, resolutions to certain issues um, by taking in that impact. Um, so I appreciate you taking in the time to listen to me and uh, I imagine I'll be back here soon. So thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Mayor, that, those were the only speakers we have. Great. Um, Councilmember Meister, do you still have any directs left? I didn't, but now I do, but I, I'll do it. I'll be the first one the next meeting because um, Elaine Polachek just resigned because she's moving. Oh, so okay. <laughs> so, oh, okay. I, so I'm going to okay. uh, deal with that next, next time. Sure. Council Member Byers? Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to appoint Lola Davidson to Historic Preservation Commission, Joshua Kirpies to the Rent Stabilization Commission, Eugenie Kovnatsky, or Eugene, as I'm allowed to call him, to the Russian-speaking advisory board, Shoshana Baum to the Transgender Advisory Board, Don Moreno Friedman to the Arts and Cultural Affairs Commission, Eden Luna to Social Justice Advisory Board, and Deborah Torok to the Women's Advisory Board. John, um, Council Member Hanlon. Hi, Mayor. Uh, I'm going to appoint Cameron Faber to Arts and Cultural Affairs, Yawar Charlie to Historic Preservation, Patrick Blood to the LGBTQ Plus uh, Commission, Stacy Jones to the Planning Commission, David Eichmann to the Transportation and Mobility Commission, uh, Michael Hollingsworth to the Disabilities Advisory Board. And that's it for now. Thank you, Council Member and Mayor Pro Tem. 
Um, yes, I would like to appoint Shayla Demir Cartier to the Social Justice Advisory Board, and I, like Laura Mayor Meister, will make my tab appointee at the next meeting, and I will be ready for at-larges in May. Cue the suspense music. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I'm sorry, <laughs> council member. I haven't done it for a while. <laughs> I need you to stop that. That's the, this, this is the last time. This is it. Okay. <laughs> uh, wonderful. So. Let's move to item 5C, which is our last item for this evening. Policy for the use of AB 2449 and teleconference capabilities. We, we do, okay, that's correct, we do, okay. Um, capabilities and city facilities for Brown Act meetings. Uh, can we get a short, brief presentation on this? We have a presentation. Um, I can go through it quickly, or if the council has specific questions about the proposed policy. That would be great. Maybe we can ask specific questions. Yeah, um, we do have one speaker. Rick Watts signed up to speak on this item as well. Do we want to hear from Rick first? or? I would love to read, um, hear from Rick first, and then we okay. can go straight to it. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you again, Mayor and Council. Uh, Rick Watts, City of West Hollywood. Um, so uh, thank you for bringing forth this, uh, this item, and I, I also want to thank you for moving uh, uh, with haste, but not haste, um, moving expeditiously to, to get Plummer Park uh, rooms five and six uh, set up for folks to uh, participate uh, virtually um, as needed, and that's not just um, members of boards and commissions that, that may be dealing with illness, um, but also members of the public who may be dealing with, uh, with illnesses. Um, without that, um, even the, the exceptions as allowed under AB 2449 could not be uh, exercised. So um, I'm glad that's being done with, uh, um, with Plummer Park 5 and 6, uh, but I would also like to submit that uh, with any places where boards and commissions are going to be uh, assigned to meet, um, that um, equipment and and appropriate personnel who are trained to uh, to operate that equipment be uh, uh, be provided uh, as uh, as necessary as well. Um, and uh, and I hope that that um, moving forward, that folks who may be may need more than the two to three absences that uh, or absences from in-person um, uh, appearance uh, that are serving on, on boards or commissions um, that we may work with um, uh, our legislative liaison and uh, state legislature to further amend AB 2449 to so allow that. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Mayor, that was our only speaker on this item. All right, um, Councilmember Meister, do you have any uh, discussion points or? Uh, I just, I, well, first of all, we, we've talked about this, about comments when people have comments and they, they don't know that they're gonna have a comment at 12 o'clock in the afternoon because they haven't heard the staff report or they haven't heard our questions uh, regarding whatever the staff re report includes. So um, will we be able to, figure out a way of being of allowing the public to participate 
whether it be by Zoom or phone or whatever, um, you know, on, on short notice get by giving them uh, some other way of connecting with you so you know that they're there. So under, if, if we're utilizing AB 2449 in a meeting, we have to allow for members of the public to speak and comment throughout the meeting. That's a requirement of AB 2449. Um, how we're currently doing it is simply from a meeting management perspective. It's, it can be challenging when we have a public hearing that we have 50 people show up to, and we're trying to manage Zoom and manage what's going on in the room. And so I'm, I'm trying to find a balance with all of that and um, have spoken with members of the public who have expressed concern with the noon cutoff. And I'm open to meeting with people and getting suggestions. Um, but I always say that I'm trying to balance um, what's happening in the room, what's going on with Zoom, um, and then if we have technical issues, um, that creates another challenge. So um, we're, we're, we're evolving as, as the technology evolves, as we go back to a normal life, whatever that is, post-pandemic. Um, and hopefully the goal with this room is to have a fully integrated Zoom capability. So, you know, I'm, I'm always open to suggestions about how to allow the public to participate in our meetings. So thank you. Council Member Byers, do you have any comments? Um, Council Member Heilman? I know what Melissa is saying. It's, it's difficult to try to be as open as possible to public comment while also managing the technology and making sure that we're respectful to the time of everyone else who is here to participate. And I think you do a very good job and we can always try to improve um, expanding the opportunity for people to uh, give their input and their feedback. But I think the report you prepared, I, I support uh, what you've recommended, and I think we should move forward with it. That's why I moved the item. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem? All right, I just seconded the item uh, so we can, uh, I, I also support it. And I, I appreciate um, Council Member Meister, your, your comments, absolutely. Thank you. passes. Now we will move on to item 6B, no right turn on red traffic safety pilot program. Council Member Byers, would you like to uh, let us know about this item? Sure, I have a few things prepared. So um, first, thank you to Mayor Pro Tem Erickson for supporting this and bringing this forward with me. Um, to start, this is already a function our city is familiar with. There are no right turn on reds and a few intersections already. This item would expand this program and create a mechanism for ongoing implementation. The shift here is really about enforcing the pedestrian and cyclist right-of-way through the uh, timeline of the intersection by asking vehicles to remain stopped at the red instead of pursue any opportunity to advance that they see. 
Um, what I want to also uplift in the way that this was created through staff's research will create an ongoing trigger that will allow future intersections to make this shift when necessary. So this is not just a one-time evaluation, but instead a mechanism for ongoing safety improvements through the pedestrian, cyclist, and really vehicular lens. Um, for pedestrians and cyclists who have had to compete with this and have been threatened by vehicles who do not yield their right of way out of desire to turn right, um, as a driver, it can be really tempting to want to stay in the flow, but this can often leave drivers competing with pedestrians, which challenges visibility and safety for everybody involved. We know our city is working towards a plan that would get us towards zero pedestrian deaths by 2040, and this is a really necessary step in this direction and one that would accelerate progress towards this goal. So just wanted to say those few words. Um, anything else you want to add, Mayor Pro Tem? Um, yeah, I think other, um, I just wanted to say that other cities in um, the west side are looking at this as well. I believe Santa Monica has already initiated this process. Um, Culver City was in that process. Uh, that won't be happening for a while in Culver City. Um, and then additionally, I know the city of LA is looking at this in certain council districts. Um, this is just another further way that we can protect our pedestrians and those really high priority streets, but obviously getting all that information to us first before we make any of those decisions. Are there any public speakers or? So I have one citizen position slip that I'll read into the record and we have one person in Zoom. Um, Courtney Penley is in support of the recommendation. Now we'll go to Zoom. We have one speaker on this item, Jamie Francis. Please press star six to unmute and you'll have two minutes. Thank you, Council. Um, I appreciate uh, speaking on important things on this agenda. Um, and this is one that really affects me and impacts me. As someone who doesn't drive, um, I reside off of Sunset Boulevard, south of Sunset Boulevard, and before that, Santa Monica. And these are major thoroughfares. People do abuse their right of way as drivers. I've had cars almost hit me when I was at a crosswalk at the intersection of Sunset and Sweetser because they're impatient and they cut off a bus. I take metro buses, and I have, I can, I can't count how many times I have almost been hit on Fountain, on Santa Monica, on Sunset, and it's becoming a real issue. There was a very horrific crash that happened on Sunset Boulevard at two o'clock in the morning, um, right there at the bend. Uh, again, these collisions of high speed rates, you know, the drag racing, the you know, the street racing, it's becoming very, very worrisome and very troublesome. And I appreciate the council members bringing this forward to say that these drivers have to be fined. I really, I, what I want to say is urge is that you need cameras. Um, at Fountain and Havenhurst, a crosswalk won't do it. Blinking lights won't do it. I have drivers thinking they have the right of way and others that will tail them or get frustrated that they caught me in the crosswalk. And they deliberately try to cut me off midway. And so you need cameras in highly trafficked, highly pedestrian areas of Los Angeles and Sunset Miller. Sweet Turn Sunset, Sweet Turn Fountain, um, you know, Havenhurst and Fountain, uh, certain parts that don't, just not the, the major thoroughfares that intersect the cities like Crescent Heights and Fairfax. That's not where the people are speeding, and that's not where people are almost being collided with. And it's just worrisome and, and very concerning um, that I want to be on foot, I am entitled and worthy enough to go and go to establishments and go places and go to eateries and go shop shopping without having to worry every single time I'm on foot whether I'm going to be hit 
and it's a 4,000 pound, 5,000 pound vehicle, 3,000 pound vehicle against me under 200 pounds. Thank so you, Jamie. To, so thank you. Thank you. Mayor, that was our only speaker. Okay, thank you. Councilmember Meister? Yeah, I mean, I'm generally supportive. I'm, you know, coming from New York, I'm used to no right turn on red, and it seems to work well in New York. Um, I guess my question is, do we already have any intersections identified as problematic that maybe we could go forward with that without having to wait for a consultant? I mean, we have a traffic engineer, or we have two traffic engineers. We have a traffic management um, person as well. I, I just, I'm not, I guess I'm not clear as to why we need to bring in a consultant to, to, to look at this. Um, and I, I do know, like I've had complaints about, um, someone recently uh, uh, mentioned that Fountain and Fairfax is very dangerous, not only for pedestrians, but for bicyclists because, um, because they're coming off of a bicycle lane and they're getting onto Fountain and the cars are not paying attention to the to the um, bike lane on Fairfax. So I just you know I'm just thinking maybe there's there if there are intersections that we know are problematic, why don't we look at those more immediately? And then if we feel we need a consultant, then get a consultant. If I may, I, I appreciate that. The when we had the conversation with staff, the idea was that they we all have a handful of intersections that we could jump at right away. And in doing that, the idea with bringing the consultant in would be to, for us to understand the why around that and at what point that threshold would be reached in other intersections that may not so quickly jump to mind. So rather than just going with those ones right away and then being done with this, we wanted to do this in a way that would allow for us to continue to implement no turn on read when that intersection warrants that. So um, I believe we will quickly implement in the intersections where it's obvious right away, but with the longer term goal of having that mechanism in place through this study. So, so the other thing that I would look at in addition to that is I know, for example, at uh, on Melrose, uh, the lights on Melrose at Huntley, when the light changes on Melrose, it actually first, it, it does, it stays red and first there's a walk, and then and then it turns green. Um, so that may also be another tool that we have. I, I haven't really seen it in many other streets. Suites are in you, Santa Monica. Ah, okay. Those are called uh, leading pedestrian intervals, and I am more than happy to talk about bringing those to the city as well. Excellent. Uh, would the mo would you like to make a motion or uh, Councilmember Heilman? Yeah, yeah I, sorry. I was uh, I was thinking about putting this on consent, but I'm glad we're having this conversation because I really want to make sure that this is data driven, and I think that's the intent. And I don't want us to sort of, uh, as Councilmember Meister was saying, identify the ones that we think are the most problematic because staff can analyze all of the data and look at you know accident history vision um, and there are a number of other tools as as we've identified maybe no uh, turn on red is not the appropriate solution at the intersection maybe at some intersections it's just creating a longer walk time or uh, sort of pausing the, the traffic so that people begin to uh, 
across. Uh, I, I think there may also be intersections where we need, a, we need signage that says, right turn on red, yield to pedestrians. Probably every single intersection in the city, there are gonna be people who are going to be irresponsible and when they turn on red, they don't care. Uh, but I don't think the intent is to put this at every single intersection. The intent is to do it where it's really appropriate and needed. And so with that, I support the item. I agree. And I think that was, that was what my reading was from the item. So, um, great. I don't think we can bring it back, but you can add her voice vote. Yeah, please. we'll do a voice vote. Council, Council Member Meister, yay. All right, we are now at uh, the last public comment period of the evening. Are there any public commenters? So we moved everyone from the first public comment period, so most of them are not here any longer, but I'll call the names anyway. Zana Marjanovic. Okay. Jeff Bartha. David Nash, I believe, left. Agnew Wilson. Santo Ragno. Shanana Good. Bradley Bushell did leave. Cole Etman has left. Don Basigalupi. Uh, Igor Hiller. Jose Mann. Antonio Whiteley. Steve Martin. Steve Martin, West Hollywood, and all those people ceded their time to me. <laughs> so let's just get the heavy stuff out of the way. You know, there's going to be future emergencies. There's going to be future crisis. When we deal with these things, let's remember we have a flow chart, and it's the city manager who's in charge. And, you know, you're not expected to know everything. You can't. And so it, it might be easier for everybody if we just keep in mind what the flow chart looks like and have one person who's, who's there, and he's getting paid the big bucks, or she's going to be paid the big bucks to do that. Uh, anyway, John, I, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson, I want to thank you for coming out to our, well, actually, you sponsored our Neighborhood Watch walk, and I'll tell you, man, he's got long legs, and he's, well, he walks fast, so it was good. I needed that, but it was, it was, I had to prove I could keep up with him, which, man, I took a nap when I came home. <laughs> Anyway, um, I do want to thank the consul, uh, and, and, and I hope we, we get a good turnout for uh, May 20th for this filming of the Connie Norman film. Um, I, I, you know, Connie Norman diva, AIDS diva, and it's like so true. She was a very extraordinary person. I worked with her for eight or nine years. She was on the Stonewall board. We went ACT UP demonstrations, clinic defenses, AB 101 demonstrations. And she was truly amazing, but she was also very ordinary. And if she was here, she'd be saying, well, thank you, darling. But she was wonderful. And then lastly, um, I would ask the consul to take a position of leadership 
and ask that for the immediate resignation of Clarence Thomas. There's, it's been a drip, drip, drip of allegations, but now he's involved in loans. He's getting away with things that are not normally associated with the judiciary. And there needs to be an investigation and West Hollywood should take the lead. We need to, I know I'm over my time, but we need to start fighting back. And he's dragging this Thank country you, in the Steve. wrong direction. Thank so you. I hope I can count on you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I believe he's left, but Alan William. Okay, and our final speaker is Kevin Burton. Good evening, Council. A few quick comments so as not to hold you any longer. Uh, a belated thank you for passing the previous item to consider installing no right turn on reds at intersections that merit it. Uh, based, I'm sure, on objective criteria such as lines of sight, history of collisions. And I'm with the Bicycle Coalition and the Public Safety Commission for many years has, at our request, reported every month the number of collisions between vehicles and civilians in West Hollywood. And there's one every week, almost on average every week. A lot of the, most of them are at intersections. Too many are right turns. We've all I know there are some avid pedestrians among you uh, trying to cross an intersection. Somebody's out in the crosswalk looking the other direction. You better be careful because they're wanting to turn right quick on a red. And there are some intersections that really need this kind of signage. And we do have one right up the street from City Hall at Fountain and Sweetser that uh, rightfully already has one of those signs. So thank you very much. And thank you to Council Members Byers and Erickson for bringing that item. Thank you, Kevin. Mayor, that was our last speaker. Thank you. Let's go ahead and move to council member comments and attendance reports. Uh, council member Meister. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so attendance-wise, I attended the Southern California Association of Governments Energy and Environment Committee, as well as the Regional Council meeting. I attended the Black Women Lead pop-up and the LA LGBT Center Drag March, along with some of my colleagues. Uh, I also attended the first of three uh, CERT classes on Saturday, and um, uh, happy to report that there are a couple of um, uh, public safety commissioners taking the course, as well as uh, as well as um, other West Hollywood residents. And then uh, as an announcement, Wednesday, April 19th from 12 to 2, Yamaha Shoah 2023, remembering victims of the Holocaust will be taking place at council chambers. Thank you. Yes, council member Byers. Um, regarding meeting attendance, I had a most fabulous Saturday in West Hollywood this past Saturday. The annual tree planting ceremony, the Honeycomb Harmonies art installation is up and will be for the next several Saturdays. The Drag Queen Story Hour with Pickle was just 
fabulous. Um, Spring Fest and the Aquatics Expo and the screening of Boys Don't Wear Dresses. Just a big thank you to city staff, the many volunteers, and everyone who helped make this day and all these events possible. I attended the Cal Cities City Leaders Summit in Sacramento where I had met meetings with Senator Ben Allen, Assembly Members Burr, and other legislators to move issues on behalf of the city and participated in a number of great workshops and panels. Um, participated in the Clean Power Alliance meeting and a tour of the log cabin with our Senator Ben Allen. Um, big thanks to him and his staff for taking the time to come and visit. Uh, just a few announcements. Um, I'm grateful to the many speakers who came here tonight, particularly on item 4C, even if some of those images will haunt me forever. Um, this is really testimony that's necessary, and I do hope other cities hear it and will follow West Hollywood's lead. Um, thank you to my colleagues for support of item 2-0, the resolution declaring the city of West Hollywood a sanctuary city for trans people. Um, just wanted to echo my happiness around the purchase of the Holloway Motel. Uh, now that that's complete, I'm so excited to see this soon opening as interim housing. And just again, a huge thank you to staff and the many community members who have been long holding this vision. Um, please join us for Yom HaShoah on Wednesday. Um, the next Playhouse Design Steering Committee meeting tomorrow at 5 p.m. at Kings Road Park. Um, and there's some fun things to look forward to in honor of green things later this week. 420 will be celebrated by our Chamber of Commerce in many ways. And happy Earth Day on Saturday. Go outside and enjoy the beautiful planet. Thank you. And um, also, just I just want to say, Councilmember Heilman, it was never my intent to be disrespectful to forget you. My And not calling you. My mind works linearly, so I just go boom, 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 and then... Please, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't feel it. Okay. I mean, and after, you know, as long as I've been, that was not disrespectful. I can show you disrespectful. <laughs> we can go back and look at some of the old uh, tapes. Um, I just, I, I attended a number of the events this weekend as well, and I want to thank city staff for that. I also um, wanted to thank uh, my colleagues for bringing forth the centenary, and I can't say it, recognition program since I'll be one soon. Um, but I wanted to point out that we previously had something like this with Sal Guariello. Uh, his office oftentimes recognized uh, people when they turned 100. Uh, and, you know, it might be possible to go back in the archives and find out how they identified people um, and how they uh, were able to do that. So thank you for bringing that forth. Mayor Pro Tem. Yes, thank you so much, Madam Mayor. <laughs> God, it's horrible. I Don't even get me started. It's like my brain works. It's, so, it's like weird anyways. Today's a fun day. Um, I want to thank my colleagues quickly on the items that we've talked about, the centenary, cent I'm not even going to try it, um, item. Um, and I uh, want to thank Councilmember Byers for really spearheading that and asking me to co-sponsor. And I think there's going to be some new and older ways that we're going to bring it all together, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, and AARP is really ready and rearing. So if people get AARP cards, early, I think they're just really jumping the gun. Um, I also want to thank my colleagues for item 6C, as well as 6B, and then also as the former president of the Hollywood chapter of the National Organization for Women, 6A, it's really great to see that that organization is roaring back um, here. And then I also want to um, thank um, two of my colleagues for um, their item, um, as I find it, the, where is it? The, Oh, 
2M, Israel's 75th Independence Day, as someone who most recently traveled to Israel and had um, a really life-changing experience. And I want to thank Mayor Shine and Councilmember Byers for spearheading this issue um, and this item. It really means a lot to the community, and I'm really happy for your leadership on this issue as well as the council for that. And I know it meant a lot because I got a lot of calls about it, and people were really happy that we were continuing it. Um, and then in addition to that, items, that meetings that I've attended, I too was there um, with Senator Allen for a tour of the log cabin. Um, I was at the installation and gave remarks for Dr. Julian Gold as the mayor of Beverly Hills and Lester Friedman as the vice mayor of Beverly Hills. Um, uh, additionally, I attended the Contract City's Executive Board meeting, the Clean Power Alliance Board of Directors meeting, the Black Women Lead pop-up event where I got this fabulous ring I am wearing, um, additionally the Drag March event, and then um, the subsequent event um, with Mayor Shine at the Abbey where her um, and myself uh, signed a resolution that the council unanimously passed. It was an honor to be there with you doing that and, and with the Abbey um, and all the people that came out. Um, I met with residents at Sierra Towers regarding an um, upcoming um, project and I wanted to see if I could give direction and I know Lauren Langer, um, I already cleared this with John Kehoe, but I really think to do our due diligence, it'd be great if the city could host um, an additional meeting, I'll just leave it at that, um, with the residents of Sierra Towers. Some people weren't getting notices, aren't getting notices, or they just have a lot of questions about the project and information is always key, so however you and staff could have another meeting of that project at Sierra Towers, I think would greatly benefit the community, and I'll leave it at that. Um, and let me know if there's any direction that if I actually officially have to do an item for that, but I don't think I have to. Um, the HRSS event on child abuse prevention, um, the, I met with the residents of 917 Larrabee Street, as well as I attended a SCAG housing workshop on the density bonus law changes, and then yes, as uh, Steve, um, who's probably working as nonprofit, as he said in his comments, um, right now I, I put on an Eastside Community Safety Walk as I am doing this, le this whole year um, of community safety walks around the city, um, and he kept up the whole time, and I wanna thank Danny and Mulder and everyone else that came out and was there and walked from, I think almost near Fairfax all the way to Fountain and La Brea and uh, we got our walking steps in. Um, and then additionally, um, some of my comments, um, the Mifepristone Supreme Court stay ruling is supposed to come back on Wednesday, um, my day job is with Planned Parenthood. I don't know if I'll be able to attend the actual event the city is hosting um, in the middle of the day, so I regret my attendance there. I will try to get there. Um, I want to thank my colleagues for being at the Drag Queen Story Hour protest and showing up in force. It was great to be there. I was dealing with the vice president um, at the Women's March, which was a whole nother bag of cats. Um, additionally, um, I want to thank them for the glue traps item. I got a couple inquiries around the free Friday night pride tickets. They're apparently all sold out, um, which I guess is a good problem to have, but I also don't know how that happened. Um, so some residents who are just kind of seeing it now are starting to register. So if maybe they could be open back up or I don't know how that happened, but anyways, um, something to look forward to. Um, and then 
um, I sent Jackie, our acting city manager, an email, but there was a request that I got from um, a billboard company regarding a tree trimming that's been taking a while, if you could get to that um, and figure out however staff could get that on the schedule. And those are all my comments. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna start with some announcements. Uh, we're having the city of West Hollywood, um, we're seeking the first ever drag laureate Queens and Kings, the application deadline is April 26, 2023, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, go to the arts division, weho.org forward slash arts. It is a bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y for, uh, forward slash open calls weho to apply. Um, and thank you, Council Member Meister for covering Yam HaShoah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about Lesbian and Queer Women's Visibility Week coming to the city April 24th through April 30th in recognition of Lesbian and Queer Women's Visibility Week taking place on April 24th through the 30th. Uh, the city is hosting specialized programming. On Tuesday, April 25th, from 7 to 8.30, the city is hosting a lesbian speaker series panel, I Know You See Me, in the city's council chambers. On Sunday, April 30th, beginning at 11 a.m., join us for a Meet Me in the Park gathering at West Hollywood Park. The event will feature a stretch and flex session, kickball games, a dog contest, lawn games, and more. For additional information on this free event, please visit www.weho.org forward slash calendar. And we will be having the lesbian flag flown across the city and the lanterns turned to the lesbian visibility colors. And I also know there are other events happening, uh, not sponsored by the city, but supporting this week throughout the city. So please go ahead and uh, be on the lookout for those. Since our last meeting, I attended the Los Angeles Mayor Bass's dinner at the Getty House, um, and all the mayors that are in uh, Supervisor Horvath's district were in attendance. We had incredible discussions of how to uh, regionally partner up with the city of LA to um, talk about ending some of the crises that we're all in. Uh, the Black Women Lead pop-up at West Hollywood Park. I spoke at the Drag March that the LGBT Center organized. It was a wonderful event. Really happy to partner with them. Um, we signed the resolution at the Abbey. I was on KTLA with Jeff Consoletti talking about We Hope Pride and probably everybody found out about <laughs> the Friday night. They had 164,000 viewers and it got sold out. So there's your answer. I presented a proclamation at the 25th anniversary of legendary bingo at Hamburger Mary's to Jeffrey Bauman. I was interviewed by Spectrum at City Hall for a Get to Know Your Elected Officials uh, series they're having. I attended and spoke at our annual tree planting ceremony at Plummer Park and it was really wonderful. And uh, Chloe, the pet mayor of WeHo also attended as her first official event. Um, I attended the Drag Story Happy Hour at the library. Pickles uh, did a great job and there were over 100 people uh, with their kids that also attended. Um, I also attended Spring Fest at West Hollywood Park. I was so impressed with the work staff did um, in West Hollywood Park as well as Aquatic uh, Center. Everybody was so happy and out enjoying the sun with their families. It, it really warmed my heart. Um, so thank you staff for all of the work on these events and thank you to all the organizers and co-sponsors as well. Um, I also wanna share some information for residents 
especially those on fixed or low income, regarding a service that I recently learned about. Um, high prescription drug prices are forcing many Americans to make difficult and sometimes troubling choices, such as deciding between buying the medications they need and paying for food or other bills. Nearly one in three Americans say they haven't taken their medicine as prescribed due to cost. There is a WeHo-based uh, company that is, is an extension of a, um, a pharmacy that is uh, in West Hollywood that has a digital prescription program that residents can try for lower prescription prices. And you can go to www.rxforus.com. They dispense prescriptions at their net cost plus $5 dispensing fee and ship all across the USA with a flat fee of $5 per shipment. They subsidize it for a lower shipping rate to consumers. In other words, cutting out the middleman and the extra costs associated with that for most cases other than people on Medicaid. This direct from manufacturer to consumer model allows for huge savings on prescription medications compared to going through insurance processing. Uh, I want to thank my colleague, uh, Councilmember Byers, for co-sponsoring 2M, Israel's 75th Independence Day. And also thank you to Councilmember Meister for co-sponsoring 2N, a resolution in recognition of May as Jewish American Heritage Month in our city. Uh, thank you, Councilmember Byers, for item 2.0, declaring our city a sanctuary for transgender people. It was a very, very important um, uh, declaration that we are making, and I'm proud to be a part of that. Um, everything regarding these three resolutions are so timely, given the rise in anti-Semitism, as well as the rise in anti-transgender hate across this nation, and even in West Hollywood, and I'm so proud that we continue to affirm our values for human rights over and over again. Um, I also wanna announce that I am having my next Sips with Seppi at, um, on April 22nd from 9 to 11, and it's gonna be uh, in the Sunset Plaza this time, and it's gonna be at the Butcher, the Baker, the Cappuccino Maker. So please come out. It is at 8653 Sunset Boulevard. I look forward to seeing community members and residents and hearing from you and, and speaking with you. Now, as part of my comments, at each council meeting, I have made it a priority to provide updates on the situation in the Islamic Republic of Iran in light of the protests that began in September 2022 following the death of Massa Amini. Updated figures on the number of people detained and executed ha uh, have not been publicly released. At the March 6th council meeting, I discussed the current crisis that is taking place in Iran with sus suspected poisonings targeting school-aged girls. The number of school and victims the number of schools and victims continues to climb, and I would like to spread more awareness on these horrific targeted attacks. According to the Human Rights Activist News Agency, since November, over 7,000 students in Iran have been affected by at least 290 similar incidents at schools involving poisonous substances. These mysterious poisonings have primarily targeted schools for girls. The United Nations estimates that hundreds of schoolgirls have been hospitalized. Education for girls has never been challenged in more than 40 years since the 1979 Islamic Revolution. Some protesters and activists allege that the gas attacks are an attempt by government forces to close schools after the mass protests following Massa Amini's death. 
Please join me in spreading awareness on this current crisis in Iran so we can support the physical and mental well-being of schoolgirls in Iran and their fundamental right to education and safety. And those are all my comments. Woman, life, freedom. We are going to now adjourn Mayor, to... Yes. Mayor, I'm sorry. Um, Deputy City Manager Jackie Rocco has an update on the Pride tickets. Okay, if great. Want Thank you. A Thank very you. positive update. I just want to let you know that additional tickets have been released for Friday, uh, Friday free night. Uh, event. Uh, we were taking a safety first approach to make sure we could stay within the site capacity, but free tickets are available and people can register for them. <laughs> it was that, that interview was that good. Everybody sold out. Okay, so we are going to, uh, it is 9.42, and we are going to adjourn uh, the, to our next regular meeting, which will be on Monday, May 1st, 2023, at 6 p.m. at West Hollywood Public Park Public Meeting Room.